everyone and welcome to another edition of the Jim and the King NFL podcast. I'm Jim, sitting in this war room is Denver Dave and we're here to talk about the NFL. How's it going Dave? Yeah, it's not bad, not bad. <laughs> ah, thank you for that. <laughs> Excellent. How are you Jim? Oh, I've just about recovered from my AFC review from last week. Uh, that clocked in. <laughs> it was a long one, wasn't it? It was like watching Ben-Hur. It was long. It was long, but hopefully it was uh, rewarding for everyone involved. So today we're going to do it all again. We're going to do the NFC review, because otherwise it would just be unfair. Yeah. Well, the less important of the divisions. They are, Dave, I know, but we've got to humour them at least. So we're going to go through all four divisions, spend a little bit on each team in that division, what happened to them last year, and what we think is going to happen to them next year. Kind of a mystic Meg looking into the crystal ball. And, you know, throwing something against the wall maybe it'll stick maybe it won't hey that's what everyone else does so there's enough in that conference we <laughs> exactly yeah no one little one little bit of housekeeping from last week uh yes. i mentioned that there were 17 games next season there's actually only 16 mm-hmm. the 17 games was agreed in the cba but it won't come into effect next season it will be the season afterwards so because yep. of that i'm reducing my uh, prediction on the Steelers from 11 games to 10 um, and from the Colts from 13 games to 12 and the thing is I did mention climbing down off that Colts ledge are you? No no no, no. Well, I'm still saying they're going to win 12 games you're saying they're going to win 5 do you want me to narrow yours yeah. down from 5 to 4 that <laughs> might as well <laughs> um, so yeah I, I, did, I did premise it at the time of saying that they, I think they're going to win 13 because it's a 17 game season so it's not mm. going back on it it still is where it is um, but yeah, so we'll make those adjustments that. for next season. Yeah, yep, that's fine. So everything else is still the same. Jags is still at three. Lesson. I was so busy running around getting other information that I just trusted you, Dave, and I should have known better. So. <laughs> well, you know better than that. <laughs> uh, the interesting thing is that um, we, I, I said the Bengals win four games. You said they win three. Mm-hmm. Um, judging by the schedule which has come out, because um, yep. since we've done the, um, the pod, the actual schedule has now been released. The Bengals' schedule is brutal early on. Mm. They play some of the best pass rushing teams and their offensive line is questionable at best. So there's a good chance that we could see a repeat of tw- uh, 2019 Oof. where they, they went a huge number of games without even looking like they were going to win. So, yeah. It, yeah, it's a tough tough time if you're a Bengals fan. Shouldn't be new to them. So let's uh, nah, let's leave well. the AFC behind then. Let's <laughs> leave <laughs> the AFC behind. Yep. Let's look at the NFC East. Typically known as the NFC least. This year, it was the Philadelphia Eagles that wow. somehow managed to climb their way to win this division. No one wanted to win it for the most part. But the Eagles managed it nine wins to seven losses. They were kind of, you know, topsy-turvy with their results. There was no real string of, of runs together. Up until week 14, where they put four wins back-to-back uh, against all the division opponents. So they swept the Giants. They beat uh, the Redskins. Uh, and then beat Dallas as well in, in between that as well. So four wins, took them to nine and seven, got them into the into the playoffs. The I want to talk about Carson Wentz for a second because he managed to start all 16 of those games, which is a little bit rare for Carson these days. But he did manage to get all 16 done, and he managed to get them into the playoffs. He had a fairly decent stat line, so 27 touchdowns to just seven interceptions. He had an average rating of 93.1. Uh, he rushed in the touchdown as well, threw over 4,000 yards and completed over 60% of his passes, which is what you really want from a, a quarterback. 
And of course, if Philly Sy was here, he'd be saying there was no one to throw out apart from the bartender and the was, and the and the valet. I was just literally about to say the the uh, passing call was uh, somewhat restricted for them last season. We said that, but I mean, they still managed to squeak out four wins. So they had Zaka, they had Dallas Goddard, who managed to step up a little bit and and fill some of the gap left by uh, the wide receivers not working too well. Obviously, Deshaun Jackson they lost in week one, not great. Um, and then JJ Artega Whiteside did not step up to the plate. Um, Missing in action. Yeah, he was there, but... It was one of the games which I thought was quite entertaining. Um, so the week before, we'd uh, had J.J. Arcega-Whiteside watch. Yes. And uh, the week afterwards, it was kind of taking the piss tongue-in-cheek a little bit. What? And uh, he caught the first pass for about 20 yards. <laughs> yeah. And I thought, oh, this he, he's going to have a night now. He's going to have a night. That was it. That was it. That was literally it for the whole night. We, did, <laughs> we didn't see him again for the rest of the night. I was like, oh, a better pickup for them last year was Miles Sanders, <laughs> the running back, taken in I think the third round. Yeah. Uh, he's he's looking very good so far. I've got high hopes for him moving forwards. So they then go into the playoffs. They scrape into the wild card, uh, but they lose to the fifth seeded Seattle Seahawks, seventeen to nine. And the big part of that game was that Carson Wentz went down with a concussion after Jadavion Clowney drove his head into the ground. I think is the most accurate way of des- describing that. It was- Super super flying headbutt, mm. something you'd see on Streets of Rage or Street Fighter Two Turbo. Good call. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, Let's that was back. the that was when they had to call on uh, the old man Josh McCown, and they almost got it. I mean, nineteen so seventeen to nine, they were still pushing right to the end. I think there was an interception in there. They they drove the foot the football down the field, but couldn't punch it in, and the Seahawks moved on. Eagles finished up. So. That was the NFC's best showing. If we look at what they did in the draft then, Dave, uh, they had quite a good draft, I think. Jalen Rager in the first round, very quick guy at TCU. That's obviously a position they, they needed to take a wide receiver. It's um, And so that's covered. It is. So I think, again, he's another victim of this wide receiver class. He's, he's a guy you constantly saw winning 50-50 balls mm-hmm. downfield, but... The, I think the issue is because there's so many good guys ahead of him. Any other year, he'd have been going the top half of the uh, certainly top half of the first round. I mean, yeah. the fact he went at 21st was a surprise to some people. Most other years, he'd be going. I don't want to say top 10 because I don't think he would, but no. certainly top 15. That's right. If it had been the other year before, he would have been first wide receiver off the board without a doubt. Yeah, as it turns out, he was yeah he was the fourth wide receiver taken ahead of. Justin Jefferson, Brandon Ayuk, T. Higgins, Michael Pittman, LaVisca Chanel, KJ Hamler, Chase Claypool. Yeah. But they... Yeah, a lot of those guys were all on a level part. It was kind mm. of... It was a, it's a case of what you like. And he's a he's a sort of deep threat possession receiver who's got a good good pass radius. So yes. he's, he's not a daft. He's not a daft pick at all. They also, took, makes sense. they also took John Hightower from Boise State, a wide receiver in the fifth round, and Quez Watkins, wide receiver from Southern Miz in the sixth round. So they didn't just put their, all their eggs into that one basket yeah, like they did last year. They have spread out a little bit more this time. That's definitely filling your need. We know mm. what we want and we know what our issue is, so we're going to go and fill it. So that's what you do in the draft. Yeah. And they also looked at another problem that they have, <laughs> and that is that they can't keep Carson Wentz healthy. Indeed. And of course, you know, you can, yeah. you can draft offensive linemen as much as you like, but you do need someone to be able to step in if and when Carson goes down. And round two, they pulled the trigger on Jalen Hurts, quarterback from Oklahoma. I think is an absolute steal of a pick because at the very worst, you've got a guy that you can sell on for, for future um, draft stock. And at, 
at best, you've got someone that can step yeah, in. Absolutely. And actually, you know, you won't see a drop off in quality from Carson to Jalen, as far as I can see. He's a massive dual threat quarterback. He's going to want to hurt someone. He's going to want to hurt the teams that didn't take him. I mean, Carson Wentz is proven in the NFL. Hmm. So, the, say there's not a drop off between him and Jalen Hurts might be a bit rich for my liking, but if you want, I think, I think it's, he's, he's Philadelphia really proven is, too much. Yeah, has he? He's never made it to the Super Bowl. Well, no, but he led a team to the playoffs how many times? Um, and last year there was you know, a significant drop off in in terms of the people he was throwing to, which again has been has been addressed um, with the signings of them. Let's not forget they've also signed Marquise Goodwin in free agency as well from San Francisco. I'm not trying to besmirch Carson Wentz. You're the one that said Daniel Jones is better than him. I, I don't remember saying that. I mean, <laughs> you did. I don't believe that. I might, might have been tongue in cheek. <laughs> <laughs> I might have. You might have had better. Might have had better stats than him. Might have had Philly side um, as well. As we know, fifty percent of all stats. Well, that's another that's another point as well. Mm. No, I think what we've seen previously is uh, the Philadelphia Eagles are the team that are held up as being the example of why you have a good backup. Mm-hmm. Um, they've got a backup now who's coming in the second round, as a lot of people have high hopes for, and two experienced backups in uh, is it Nate Sudfield? I think Carl Letters they, they signed him from the Giants as well. So they've now got options at um, quarterback, whereas last year, um, bringing in Josh McCown in the in the uh, playoffs is it's not ideal for anyone. So they've again they've addressed needs. Uh, I think they've addressed needs in free agency and in um, the draft. And yeah, they're going into next season significantly better than they were. Yeah, they picked up Javon Hargrave, defensive tackle from Pittsburgh, for thirty nine million on a three year deal, and Will Parks, safety from the Denver Broncos, for one point five million on a one year yep. deal. Nicky Rob, yeah, Nicky uh, Roby Coleman, free safety and can also play sauna. Yep. Yeah, Nicky Robbie Coleman, the most hated man in New Orleans, has come across a, from a cornerback position from the Rams. <laughs> yeah, not a bad, not a bad uh, pickup group there for free agency. The Philadelphia Eagles are run properly. Harry Roseman is one of the better yep. GMs in the game, and he's looking to the future in the right way. I don't think it's going to annoy Carson to have Jalen there. So great pickup. When you look at the Eagles, though, when if you look at the players who have left, uh, people like Jason Peters, mm. Vinnie Curry. Ronald Darby, Malcolm Jenkins. I think Malcolm Jenkins actually left towards the end of last season, I think. Mm. Um, but all of these these guys are huge names. But a lot of them, I don't want to say they're past their best. I think that's disrespectful to them. But they're certainly not players who are leaving in their prime. So as you say, it's the, the Eagles are doing what the Eagles do. They're, they're making the right decisions at the right time. The only problem is, I still think they're a little bit light on the offensive line. And I still think they're a little bit light at running back. I know you like Miles Sanders, but other than that, they've got what, Boston Scott and Elijah Holyfield. It's not a run. <laughs> it's not a running back quartet that you fear, really. Yeah, um, I quite like their their Jack Driscoll pickup, the guard from Auburn in the fourth round. I think that was a shrewd bit of business there. Yeah, but the the issue with uh, the issue with guards is guards especially is that they don't tend to show up in the first year. Um, I mean, Jason Kelsey's been around forever. He's got to be getting on a bit now. Mm. Um, Andre Dillard has never proven himself to be a left tackle for me. I'm still not sold on him. Um, it was the Cowboys game when we saw uh, Robert Quinn um, bursting through the lines on two separate occasions to set uh, Wentz on both times. So, yeah, I think that the left side of their line is still a little bit suspect. But it wouldn't surprise me if they stay with Hoover Bell because if you're going to make a yeah. if you're going to make them start a move early on starting. Um, side, of, especially left side of your offensive line. You do it early, you don't wait until late. Mm-hmm. Okay, so this year, Dave, what are they doing? Well, I think they win the division. 
Okay. I think they, um, I still like Jim Schwartz as the defensive coordinator. Um, I would like to say that they improve on last year. Um, I'm, I'm going to go nine wins. Nine wins for the, uh, the Eagles. The same. Yeah. What say you, Jim? Uh, I think they've obviously got better from last year. I think that yeah. someone like Jalen Rager is going to really take the top off defenses. So, yeah, again, I like Jim Schwartz on as defensive coordinator. So, I want to give them ten. I'll go. I'll go over your nine. I'll go for ten. Okay. Okay. It's not going to be easy for them. Last year, there were massive, massive injury problems on the receiving core. The year before, there were huge problems in the secondary. Both of those two have been addressed. Mm-hmm. Um, with Darius Slay, there's signing of Darius Slay and, um, and uh, Nicole Roby Coleman, I think makes a huge, huge difference at cornerback for them. So, and it gives them depth that they didn't have last year. So I think they, they've been very sensible in what they've, what they've um, signed. And there's no doubt that they would have overachieved or they would have achieved a lot, lot more had they not had those injuries in both of the last two seasons. So going 10, I think it's sensible. I think they're by far and away the best team in this division. Okay, well, on that note, let's talk about the Dallas Cowboys, shall we? Yeah, let's. They finished 8-8. Eight and eight. They suffered their first non-winning season since 2015. They were looking pretty good for the division. They were, uh, as I said, no team wanted to win it, but out of the ones that were in contention, the Cowboys were yeah. on top of the division for the most part, but they only won two of their last six games. That was against the Rams and the Redskins in Week 17, but by then the damage was done. The Eagles won out their remaining four games, so they clinched the division, and the Cowboys, well, they finally got rid of Jason Garrett as a result. You know, his contract uh, ended, <laughs> and so did his tenure with the Cowboys. It took an awful long time, probably about three years too long. He was sticking around, but he's now... He's the offensive coordinator for the New York Giants. So in division, he's gone for a bit of revenge, like the uh, Hugh Jackson motif, isn't it? Moving from one, <laughs> one head coach to being an offensive coordinator for a, a division rival. And not, not winning. So, no. difficult season for the Cowboys. They always have a lot of expectation on their shoulders from old Jerry Jones. Yeah. But uh, it was fairly obvious from the All or Nothing series a couple of years ago that Garrett had lost that dressing room. They've had problems with with Elliot. He's a disruptive influence in the, in the dressing room. Yeah. It's fairly obvious that that's the case. But they decided to stump up a huge amount of money for the one of the, the least stable positions in the NFL, which is running back. Yep, absolutely. And then they let Dak go on to a, a franchise tag. So I mean, Dak, Dak Prescott's asking for, if you believe what you read in the press, he's asking for about 43, 44 million, mm. which I'm not being funny. Dak's not worth. It's as simple as that. He is worth it in the fact that he's a free agent and that's the, you, you know, you if you've got a free agent quarterback, then you pay the top rate at that time so from that perspective he probably is but they can't they simply can't afford to to pay that type of money because of what they're paying to people like um gerald mccoy for example gerald mccoy was passed it a couple of years ago and they've signed him on a what is it three year deal three four year yeah for 20 odd million i mean come on it's insane it's absolutely insane dontari post come in on four or five million I think it was they're signing players on huge amounts of money when they've got they've still got to place um, 
they still got to play salary on Dak Prescott. It, it doesn't make any sense. It really doesn't. Mm. Um, but yeah, I don't think Dak's all that. I don't think he's worth forty million. I think you can go out and get a perfectly serviceable quarterback who could come in and and do a very good job. I don't think Dak wins many games on his own. The receiving core they've got in Dallas is superb now with Gallup, um, Cooper, and Lamb. Um, so yeah, I think yeah, it's perfectly uh, it's perfectly acceptable to go for a not for a second rate quarterback, but someone who's certainly going to be able to go out there and. Um, do enough not to lose you games um, and I don't think that's Dak Prescott to be perfectly honest well that's just like your opinion man so Dak <laughs> if you, you've got to remember <laughs> Dak came in it was a fourth round draft pick you know they, yep. they weren't looking at him really when they, they picked him up they were hoping for Connor Cook I believe but he fell into their lap <laughs> Romo was getting injured a lot and Dak was able to come in that first, if you remember that first season he came in and he just took over that role, stepped in, stepped yep. into those cowboy boots, and rode them all the way into the NFC playoffs. Uh, he got them to the, the top seed in the NFC as well. It's not easy to do. It's not easy to win the regular season, but he's done it. He came up against yeah. Aaron Rodgers a couple of times and came out the worst for it. But that's not really on him. That he's not on the field at the same time. So he's doing the best he can with with what he's got. He hasn't always been given an awful lot to play with. So he's come in. He's been absolute boy scout for them. He's done all the the media stuff he's supposed to do. He's not been caught in a in a nightclub with hookers or anything like that. He's not been the the pain in the ass that Ezekiel Elliott's been. <laughs> Let's have it right, you know. So out of the two people, Maybe I'd have been paying. I'd have been paying Dak, mate. I wouldn't have been paying Ezekiel Elliott. I'd have been paying Dak. So I think. Well, I, you know, I, the, it's just the merry-go-round. This is what happens if you don't pay the quarterback on time. You wait another year, and then the the whole market price yeah. goes up anyway. So you might as well get it done early. Yeah, the same they did for, for the same the Niners did for Garoppolo. Looked like a big deal at the time. It now yeah. looks reasonable. If they'd have stepped in year three and paid him twenty four million yeah. over four years, twenty four million a year for four years, wouldn't have been an issue. It's the fact that they let it go, and I agree that what they paid Dak was uh, what they paid Ezekiel Elliott was stupid. They shouldn't have paid it, and but that's what happens when the man holding the uh, man holding the wallet is also the GM. It doesn't mm. make sense. Um, so, it, I mean, it's one of those things. He's screwed himself up. He can't now offload. Even if he wanted to get rid of Zeke, he can't. No. Because no one's going to take that contract on. I mean, maybe Cincinnati would, but that's, I mean, maybe the Texans would. Who knows? Uh, <laughs> but other than that, no no other franchise is going to be taking that here. And it puts himself in a very difficult position. I just don't think the Cowboys actually can afford to pay that. I don't think it's particularly worth $40 million. Um, but this is because it's the opposite side of what we said about the Eagles. The Eagles are run well. Um, the Cowboys definitely aren't. Uh, <laughs> Andy, Andy Dalton's in the building now anyway. So, uh, you know, the yeah. future's bright. The future's orange. Oy, oy, oy. <laughs> so not only did they take C.D. Lamb in the draft, they also took Trayvon Diggs, cornerback from Alabama. Neville Gallimore, really good defensive tackle from Oklahoma. They have t- Tyler Biadas. Center from Wisconsin, great name. Uh, that's how I'm going to pronounce mm-hmm. it as well, whether it's true or not. They had a good draft, as far as I can see. Mm-hmm. The fact that CD Lamb fell to 17 is just utterly ridiculous. And again, crazy, you know? another reason to laugh at the at the Raiders. <laughs> can we have one episode where we're not pointing and laughing at the Raiders? I know it's difficult. When Punk's here, I won't <laughs> laugh at them. But well, actually, I will. But you know, I'm a bit more scared. But he's not in the room anymore. So, <laughs> uh, yeah. I don't know. What, what's happening to Dallas next year? Eight and eight this year. What's happened to them next year? 
with Dak on a bubble and well, uh, some really good receivers to throw. I think if you look at their defensive ends, I mean, they've still got Demarcus Lawrence. Um, they're still they're now going to have Gerald McCoy running uh, rushing through the middle, mm-hmm. um, but they've lost Robert Quinn. I think he's gone to the Bears. Um, so they've lost their. He got. I think it was 12 sacks last season, 11, 12 sacks last season. Um, they didn't really have much rushing threat other than Robert Quinn. Um, he's now there. He's no longer there. He is, he is at the Bears now. Yeah. Top, Byron Jones has now gone to the Dolphins. Mm-hmm. So they've lost their top corner. Their top corner now is uh, Trayvon Diggs and Chidobi Awuze. Uh, Chidobi Awuze yeah. being the guy uh, who was famously uh, subject of the pick that led to the five-time world champion. The Drew Pearson pick, yeah. Uh, the Drew Pearson pick, that was it. So... They're a bit light at corner, and that concerns me. I don't think they're... There's obviously concerns at linebacker as well, because Leighton Van Der Esch is missing more games as we go on, mm-hmm. or more game time. Not more games, but more game time. He's coming out of games early, which um, anyone who knows about his neck issues knows that that's obviously a concern. Sean Lee's now celebrating his 54th birthday this year. <laughs> um, yeah, he's just signed a new deal. There's concerns on the defensive side of the ball. I guarantee you next season... With Gallup, Gallup won won me a lot of games in fantasy last year. Mm-hmm. I mean, he won me a lot of games. With Gallup, I think they've signed Blake Jarwin as well. Who I like at um, tight end, he can block and he can receive as well. Amari um, Cooper is obviously Amari Cooper if he stays there, which he should. Yep. Their receiving core is superb. They will score a bunch of points, but they'll concede a lot as well. Um, and that's the concern. Uh, I think they finish second in the division. And I think they win eight. <laughs> That's what I'm going. So what you've done is you've just given the Eagles and the Cowboys the exact same results as last year. Okay, thank you for that. Yeah, unintentionally. Yeah, of course. So the Cowboys do seem a lot better, especially on offense, yep. with the addition of Lamb, because he's an absolute beast. But I've got to make room for another team in this division, so I can't give them as many wins as think they may may be able to get uh so let's give the cowboys seven okay. wins i'm going one less this year yeah. one more for the eagles one less for the cowboys they got a, they got a plus 113 differential in points yeah 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 see what's happening it'll make sense <laughs> so yeah that's what's, that's what i'm doing seven and nine i do like the, the cowboys roster at the moment it's gonna have to be a markedly changed next next season yeah. because of all the contracts uh, that are shaping out but do you think yeah I, I would like to see that get paid how much of an impact does Mike McCarthy have do you think not much I agree I think that the only reason they took him was because of the, the playoff wins that the, like I saw, said earlier about the Packers coming in and, and beating them in Dallas yeah. that's a lasting impression with someone like Jerry Jones and he sees uh, an old hand on the tiller rather than the uh, the son he never had in, in <laughs> Jason Garrett even though he's got a few sons. Yeah, if he's left alone, so yeah, he'll, he'll probably do it. He'll probably do all right, but there's obviously do all right. But the problem with um, the problem with Mike McCarthy is that he's riding off old achievements, yeah. and you know, just being on the same team as Aaron Rodgers. You know, yeah. it's like being the offensive coordinator for Peyton Manning. What's the point <laughs> in turning up? Anyone could do that. No one's listening to you anyway. So <laughs> okay, so the New York Giants. Finished third in the NFC East. Yeah. They equaled the franchise record nine-game losing streak of the 1976 team. Jesus. The big news for the Giants was that Eli was benched for week three. 
he came back for weeks 14 and 15 when Jones got injured. But and he won one of the games as well. So he beat the the Dolphins 36-20 as his final game before riding off into the sunset with his two Super Bowl wins. And yeah. And then Pat Shermer gets fired after his second season as the head coach of the New York Giants. Uh, Joe Judge is the new head coach, yep. former Patriots special teams coordinator. So they'll just take anything from the Patriots these days. <laughs> and Joe, uh, Jason Garrett, the OC. As <laughs> yes, and Jason Garrett, the OC. So buckle up for this one. <laughs> they finished with what I considered to be their worst case scenario going into their bye week uh, when they were seven and two, two and seven, I should say. Keep doing that. Two and seven. They only won two games out of the remaining. Uh, schedule so yeah limped into to third place there yeah now obviously i've got some reservations about their quarterback you don't he had okay numbers so there's nothing like glaring that he doesn't you know he's throwing a million interceptions or no he has got some drop issues i don't necessarily i don't necessarily think that he's um you know the next brady forthcoming or anything like that i just think he he's good enough for us to give him the benefit of the doubt in the first year uh, which he's now got. Second year, he has to step up a little bit. I think it's going to be much more difficult for him this year. I'm expecting a drop-off this year, quite frankly. Um, okay. I don't think this um, I don't think this roster is as good as it was last year, and that's saying something. Um, you know, it's, okay. it's the, the issue is this season, uh, uh, last season rather, he, he spent a lot of time without Saquon Barkley because Barkley was out injured, came back early mm-hmm. and um, quite simply just wasn't wasn't fit. You could see he wasn't fit. I had him in my fantasy team and where Barkley had been normally scoring 18, 19 points, he was hitting four. And his number of carries was significantly down. They've tried to address that in the offseason by going and getting Deion Lewis uh, from Tennessee. Um, I just don't see that I don't see that they've done enough in the off-season to address all of their issues. I think there's still massive line uh, line issues. Um, they've, they've went in and picked up uh, Andrew Thomas and Matt Perth. Matt Perth, I'm a big fan of, um, left tackle. So um, I think I think there's still massive holes in, in that roster, though, without any shadow of a doubt. The, the receiving core's awful. Um, take away Darius Slay. Um, uh, Darius Slayton, rather, and yeah, what else have you really got? I mean, Golden Tate's okay, but as a slot receiver, he's not going to take the top off a of defense. Um, other than that, I mean, I like Evan Ingram, but he didn't have the greatest season last year. There's just not enough there for you to be able to hang your hat on and go, yeah, they're going to be good. There's a side fun game that we like to play when we're talking about the NFL, and that's ripping up uh, Dave Gettleman. <laughs> but I don't think we can do it this year. I don't think we can make fun of him because of those draft picks. Andrew Thomas was the most safe pick at number four offensive tackle from Georgia. Xavier McKinney, safety out of Alabama. He was a first-round pick, went second round for them. Like you said, Matt Pert, offensive tackle from UConn. Underrated offensive tackle, so a great pick up there. Darnay Holmes, cornerback from UCLA. Shane Lemieux, guard from Oregon. He had a good draft. A good yeah, draft. Absolutely. And, and the four he picked up in the seventh round weren't bad either. So I think I, I can't agree with you that the roster's not better this season just because of the, the moves, moves they made in the draft. If no, nothing I, else. I don't I, I believe that the roster is better um in terms of defense. Um uh, because I think defensive they've got Dexter Lawrence, um 
Blake Martinez is in. I think he came towards the end of last season. Jabril Peppers is there. But again, there's just not enough. There's not a huge amount of talent. Um, and yes, he's had a great draft, but it's what I said last week, and I'll probably say again this week as well. It's okay having a great draft, but the impact of it is going to be diluted by the fact that OTAs aren't around this season. So it's going to take the rookies a little bit longer for them to actually get into it. Um, on the offensive side of the ball is where they're massively lacking. Um, and I think that's going to be the big issue. They didn't score enough last season. They didn't sign in, didn't score enough this season. Players like DeAndre Baker are going to have to really step up this season, which they didn't last season. Okay. So what are we giving them then? They were 4-12 and 12 last year. Um, what are you giving them this year? I, the thing is, I've, always, I've repeated what I've said, what the Eagles and the Cowboys, and I want to give the Giants four as well, but <laughs> it's, it's at the risk. The only reason I'm giving them four is because I think the big winner in this division is going to be the Skins. Um, so at the risk of ridicule, I'm going to go four again. Well, you are going to be ridiculed because this is ridiculous. <laughs> I'm going to give them three. So I'll go one worse. Yeah. Because even though they have made some good pickups on the line, like you said, there's very little to throw at. Uh, I don't rate Daniel Jones as highly as you do. So, yeah. And that that coaching staff ain't brilliant. No. I've got no. no faith in the new head coach, and Jason Garrett, I've got even less faith. So, I mean, Jason Garrett, I've got, no, I'm, Jason Garrett I've got no faith as, uh, as the offensive coordinator. Joe Judge, I mean, again, you kind of have to give him, um, you have to give him a little bit of slack and just showcase his first season. But, Again, it's an, he's even, only ever been a special teams coordinator or assistant. He's, he's never a, had even a coordinator job. But he's a new coach with less time to spend with his team. I think you're probably right in saying three, but there's enough talent to carry them over in certain games next year. So I think three or four is probably about right. I'll give him the benefit of the doubt as four. I'm giving three. So, yeah. last one then is the Washington Redskins. They finished yeah. three and thirteen. Skins got swept by all their division rivals for the first time since 2013. Jay Gruden was fired after week five. Absolute dead man walking. Yeah. You know, there, there was nothing left in the in the fire pit for that guy. You could just tell even before the season started, he didn't want to be there. Mm-hmm. He was just amazed that he was still in the building. So, yeah, after week five, he's out the door. And then the next week, they get a win at Miami, 17-16. So they brought in Bill Callahan. That's right, the offensive line coach as the interim head coach. Uh, they've also fired the team president, Bruce Allen. And then they've hired Ron Rivera as the new head coach after he was let go by the Panthers, which we'll talk about later. Yeah. So all change again for the, for the Redskins front office. Obviously, Dan Snyder sticks around. Hmm. Tough, tough year, though, for the Skins. They weren't they they drafted Dwayne Allen but then um Jay Gruden refused to refused to start him so he didn't get a chance to take any reps which is obviously not what you want to hear for your first round quarterback and eventually despite Bill Callahan also not wanting to put him in I think the the word came down from from Snyder that they had to start playing him and he was dumped into the same situation that that Keenan was working with which was a, an almost non-existent offensive line. And then Adrian Peterson behind him, who started playing when Dwayne Haskins was probably in short shorts. Yep. And apart from a very, very, very good wide receiver in Terry McLaurin, there wasn't much else to throw at. You know, Jordan Reed is now retired. Um, just mm. couldn't stay healthy. 
for his entire career at tight yeah. end. So, um, yeah, it, it was a tough season for the Redskins all round, leading to being the second pick in the draft. Yeah. If we look at what they did, though, in the draft, they did the right thing, at least, by taking <laughs> Chase Young at number two overall. Yeah. They didn't have a second round pick. Third round, they went Antonio Gibson, a running back from Memphis. Then Sadiq Charles, an offensive tackle from LSU. The fact that Sadiq Charles was still sitting there in the fourth round was kind of weird, but yeah, they took him anyway, so that was a good good move there. Antonio Gandhi-Golden, that's fun name to say, wide receiver out of Liberty. He was a guy that was garnering <laughs> some, you know, some, some, some scouts are saying he's actually a bit of a sneaky player here that people, other people were sleeping on. So it'd be interesting to see how he fits into the, the dynamic there. Dwayne Allen's got an entire season now of off-season and more, obviously with COVID, to learn the playbook, to hopefully start taking some reps when training camp comes back again, and he'll be the bona fide number one. Luckily, they didn't take another quarterback. You're saying Kyle Allen will be the number one. No, I said Dwayne Allen. Dwayne Haskins. Oh, damn it. Dwayne Haskins. <laughs> <laughs> oh, those Allens have, sc- have scarred me for life. There's too many of them. Yeah, so they've got Dwayne Haskins in there now. He's got the entire, you know, he, he is now the bona fide number one starter. Mm-hmm. He hasn't got to worry about sharing reps so much. They didn't take a quarterback in the draft, which is another sign of faith in in Dwayne. So what are we doing, Dave? What's happening to the, the Redskins well, next year? Bearing in mind you haven't really spoken well, this, this review of them. I'm a big fan of what the Redskins did in the offseason. I mean, first of all, yes, they didn't pick they didn't draft a quarterback, mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean they, you know, they're all in on Dwayne Haskins. No. They traded for Kyle Allen, and Kyle Allen was obviously with uh, he was at the Carolina Panthers and started many last year. So he's been, it's, it's the golden rule of management, major former club. So that's exactly what he's done. So they've got their backup. And as well as that, they've gone and got Colorado mm. Buffalo's quarterback, Steve Montez, as an unside free agent. Um, so, but, but Montez is okay. I think he's a project. He's not a guy who's going to start next season. Oh, Dave. Definitely a project. I don't think so we've heard from you is how bad he is. Uh, I think he's, he, there's development issues. Um, but I think you can get someone to put your arm around him and actually say, look, this is what you need to do to be a quarterback. Um, then there's every chance he could be one of those guys like, um, I was going to say like what we see in Jacksonville. I mean, even what you see in Denver at times is with people like Simeon coming through and getting the opportunity. Although that didn't end too well. Mm-hmm. Um, the other signing that I think could, could turn out to be extremely good is the signing of Thaddeus Moss. Um, he's obviously Randy Moss's um, son. Yep. And he has uh, undoubted talent, but there's character issues, let's say. Um, anyone who wants to read up on some of those, they are quite funny. Um, he's a tight end, receiving tight end, uh, much like yeah. his dad. So again, if you, uh, they've also got people like Ruben Foster, for example. If you can get these guys playing, and, and is Ron Rivera the Pope, you know, the guy to do that? Maybe. Probably. I mean, they've got Jonathan Allen, Jonathan Allen, Ryan Kerrigan still there, Chase Young, Deron Payne. Um, I mean, Kendall. If you their their team, Deron Payne, Montez Sweat, their team is full of stars on the defensive side. Mm-hmm. As long as the offensive side doesn't screw them up, I think that's a big positive. The negative on the defensive side of the ball is obviously that Jack Del Rio is the offensive coordinator, but. <laughs> You know, let, let's not gloss, <laughs> let's gloss over that a little bit. I think. Um, oh. I I like what they've done. Gosh. I do like what they've done in the off season. The problem is, again, I don't think the receiving core is as good as it could be. Terry McLaurin's obviously a 
um, a big positive for them. But I mean, the most notable free agent to sign him really was probably Cody Latimer, mm. who was an ex-Bronco and an ex-Giants player. Um, so he might have something to prove. Kelvin Harmon's still okay. I just don't think there's enough in that receiving core at the moment, and I don't think that Dwayne Haskins is going to be good enough to carry that offense. Um, I do think that defense is going to win them games, so I'm going to go. I'm going to go bold and go seven. Ooh, that is bold. Dave, finally, you is bold, but I think that defense has got that defense has got real talent in it. Real talent, absolutely. I'm just shocked that you haven't picked three. Because you've been looking at last year's standings, so. All right, pipe down, son. Listen, I, I went one ahead for the Eagles, all right? <laughs> okay. And this, to be fair, this is the only division which is really going to marry what happened last year. Well, if you say so. I, th- I think the, the skins are, are completely transformed on defense. Ron Rivera is a genuinely good head coach. Yes. He's defensive minded, he's got an absolute abouncement of riches, as you said. In the, in the squad that he's taken up there. It's just a chance for him to turn the page. We know that when the Redskins get on, then they, they've got a chance to win this division. Just wasn't their, their time last year. So I'm going to give them... God, I was going to say at least six, and I thought I was going to go ahead of you, but you've already gone seven. <laughs> so... No, I'm going seven. Mm-hmm. I mean, if they can, if they can get Thaddeus Moss... If they can get him really playing as a wide receiver, uh, as a tight end, and they can get him try and get some real production out of him, yeah. he could end up being that guy you look and go, how wasn't he drafted? I know he's got a lot of shit going on in his personal life, but if you've got Ron Rivera talking to you in one ear and Randy Moss talking to you in the other ear, you have to be a real idiot not to actually take notice. You really do. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to say... Uh, yeah, I, I have a little bit of faith. Okay, I'll say nine wins. Nine? Yeah. So for you, Eagles win the division with 10, then it's the Skins with 9, then the Cowboys with 7, and the Giants with 3. Those poor Giants. (laughs) You know. (laughs) This is the first year they didn't have any Pro Bowlers as well, since 1995, I think it was. It's a long time. Jesus. I mean, that doesn't shock me. That was the NFC East. There we go. One down, three to go. Next up is the NFC North. We start with the Green Bay Packers, who went 13-3. and Oh, wow. Okay. Great. Well, they did, but it's a hollow 13-3. It was a great first season for Matt LaFleur. The Packers swept the NFC North for the first (laughs) time since 2011. So that's always a a positive. They defeated the Seahawks 28-23 in the divisional round before getting run over 37-20 by the Niners in the championship game. It's weird, isn't it? Football outsiders calculated the Packers were only the second worst 13-3 13-3 and three teams since 1985. So everyone knew going into the playoffs that they weren't really the contender that they looked to be with having the second seed. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it helped last season that they played um, they played the Bears twice and the Lions twice. Oh, yeah. So that pads your record immediately. Mm. I mean, they, they beat the Broncos and when they beat us, I came away from the game going, how did we lose that? <laughs> I mean, seriously, how did we lose that? So it's just one of those things. I don't think they're necessarily a bad team. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's holes in there. And that's what happens when you're paying Aaron Rodgers a billion pounds and no one else can get the money. Yeah. I mean, some of their results were quite close, but their three losses weren't that close. So, well, maybe the, no. the, the one against Philadelphia was 34-27. Okay, so that's a one-score game. But then they lost to the Chargers 26-11, and the Chargers were absolute gash last season. And then the 49ers, yeah. as a precursor to the playoffs, 
beat them 37 points to eight and they ran all over them in yeah. that that first game yeah. and then of course in the championship game it was insane I've, I've never seen anything like it dave i've never seen anything like it where you've only asked the quarterback to throw six passes in the entire game and like one in the second half you're, you're taking their manhood away from them it, by running the ball thro- right down their throat and they can do anything to stop them. There was a game in the 70s, um, and I'll go back and I don't know all the details of it, but basically what happened, it was the Baltimore Colts and the opposition head coach said they can't run the ball. So they ran the ball on every single play. They did not throw it once. Johnny Unitas just handed the ball off constantly. And that's exactly what the 49ers did. You knew the 49ers were going to run it on every single play. And that's all they did. Mm-hmm. And the Packers just couldn't stop the run. They just couldn't stop it at all. No. And <laughs> it's roundly beaten both times by the 49ers. It's, it's yeah. been a, a weird off-season, let's say, for the Packers. <laughs> because, you know, they, they did I mean, get to the championship game. One game away from the Super Bowl. Okay. You, you did get smashed by the 49ers. But... There, there was you know, not much for Rodgers to throw out outside of Devontae Adams. Next one you've got is Alan Lazard, I think, is the next most uh, productive wide receiver. You've got a very good running game in Aaron Jones. So, you know, ride that dynamic. Give Rodgers another wide receiver. You know, make him feel loved. You've given him a new head coach yeah. that's just there to you know, feed him sugar lumps. You've been investing in the defense for a long time. You've got your, your secondaries pretty much done. You just need a couple more piece of disruptive pieces on the front seven and you're good to go for next season right so yeah that's that's what you think that's, that's what everyone thought every single draft analyst I mean, was going yeah it makes sense so brian gusekunst the gm of the Grimmer packers went no, f- <laughs> i ain't listening to you i'm the gm around here <laughs> and he decided that's just that's just what they wanted you yeah exactly Threw them off. They were sitting at number, they're sitting at thirtieth, thanks to their thirteen and three record in the draft, and they decide to move up to twenty six to take Jordan Love, quarterback from Utah State. Now we talked about Jordan Love in our QB podcast before the the draft happened, where we were just looking at the the rookies. Yeah, and despite there being some good things to like about Jordan Love. There aren't many things to love about Jordan Love. Well, there's some real good things about him. There are some okay things. There's some real good things to like about him, but there's also a lot of things not... Too many red flags to take to yeah. move up to take him in the first round when you've got a franchise quarterback who is still several years younger than a lot of the other quarterbacks that are still going to be starting this season. So, I don't know. I don't know how this makes any sense apart from to completely split the, the organization in two. And then they have to wait for their second round pick, <laughs> and they take A.J. Dillon, a running back from Boston College. I mean, one of the few positions they don't need to invest in is the running back position. Yeah. And they take A.J. Dillon. A guy, you know, why are you taking a running back in round two? And then round three, they take a tight end in Josiah DeGuara from Cincinnati. So they don't address the, the O-line. They don't address the they don't address the wide receiver position, don't address the front seven. An absolute show. I mean, we talk about bad drafts. This has got to be the the creme de la creme, for at least for this year anyway. I mean, I've had to bust out the bleep machine, Dave. <laughs> you don't need to. You don't need to use that. I mean, everyone's more than willing to hear you swear about them. <laughs> the problem that I have 
with what the Packers have done. I mean, yes, they didn't need they didn't need a quarterback. They didn't need, but he's he's the guy that they want. So okay, you know, go and get him by all means. But then second round, don't pick up a tight end who I'm sorry is more likely to play at fullback than tight end in the NFL. It was third round for um, the tight end. Digura played as third round. So they, did they have? Oh, uh, they had AJ Dillon. Yeah, AJ Dillon was the second round pick. So they didn't have any wide receivers. They got Devontae Adams, Devontae Adams and Equiminius and Brown, Alan Lazard, who's, um, well, yeah, he's basically a slot receiver who's not great at catching. Mm-hmm. Other than that, tight end wise, I think they got Mercedes Lewis from the Jags last season. So he was there last year. I genuinely cannot remember an offense that has so many holes. Mm. Yeah, I I can't think of a, uh, an offensive roster where there's so many holes that aren't addressed in at any point in the free free agency. I think they signed Devin Funches. Yes, they did. Um, but I mean, I can't remember the last time Devin Funches was productive. Really, um, was it Indiana last season? Uh, yeah, so it was back in Carolina. And it's just there's so many holes, so many holes. I don't understand it. I just don't understand it. Well, I don't think you're supposed to understand it, Dave. If, if it's crazy, it doesn't make any sense, does it? So, so yeah, I'm at a loss for words, if I'm perfectly honest. I think they are the worst 13-3 and three team I've seen. Yeah. Yeah. No. <laughs> so? Well, last so last year, I think they had more... In the last two seasons, rather, they've had more um, post-game wins than I, I think any other team has had in the past two years. It's They're the worst 13-3 and three team I've ever seen. And this year, I think they will win seven. Oh, wow. That's what I'm going for. Half. Okay. Well, you finally moved yeah. off your fence. Yeah. So, yeah. Seven wins. Tell them how you really feel, Dave. Seven wins. Seven wins. Okay. Oh, pipe down, will ya? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. So seven wins. What are you going for? Dave, you know I like to beat you on everything, so I'm going to have to best you on this one. I'm going to go for five wins. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> I mean, five wins is is pretty amazing. Five wins. I'm not going to lie; that would be if they have, if they've done to Rogers what some people think they've done to Rogers in his mentality of an fu season, where he's maybe even demanding a trade as we speak. We just don't know what his his mentality is going to be like. But they haven't helped him. All they've done is bring in his heir apparent. He's got four years left on his contract, so. I don't see how that's conducive to a good atmosphere in Green Bay. They haven't got a head coach who's got a spine to deal with that kind of personality. So I think that he's going to run a He's going to do whatever he wants. And I'm not sure that Rogers looked very motivated through last season. You know, I don't think he'd be, I think he knew in his heart of hearts as he was winning and everyone was saying, you know, they're still not taking you seriously. He'd say something like, yeah, well, you know, they, they should be taking this seriously. But I think he even knew that he didn't have enough weapons to actually get the job done like he'd done before <laughs> when, when you've done it once you must know what it takes to do it again and i think he must have looked at his yeah. teammates and gone you lot ain't enough to do it yeah. so uh, and and so what's happened afterwards is just kind of ripped this team apart as far as i can see so yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna go big yeah, and he's gonna be doing exactly the same thing next season it's gonna be worse it's gonna be worse next season yeah. so i'm going five wins yeah i mean that's that's Look, i gave more wins for the nfc east so it's got to come out yeah. of somewhere no, I'm down with that. I'll give other teams losses. Right, the Minnesota Vikings. Good season for the Vikings, I guess. <laughs> Finished ten and six. They uh, they went. Th- yes. What was it? Three and three. The last six games of the season. So 
bit hit bit hit and miss there as Kuna lost to Chicago 21 to 19 in week 17. They did then get through to the wildcard round. They beat the Saints 26-20 in overtime, but then lost 27-10 to the 49ers in the divisional round. It was never close, that game against the Niners. Usually with the Vikings, they have their Super Bowl early. So they get into the playoffs. Typically, they're playing the Saints, and they get an amazing win, pull one out of the bag, celebrate, you know, and that's that's their season. They're quite happy with that right. because then the next week they get trounced by the team they come up against, either the Eagles or the 49ers in this case. So Mike Zimmer's sixth season as head coach, Kevin Stefanski's last as defensive coordinator. After that loss to the Niners, yeah. he moves on to Cleveland. Seems like an apt place for him to go. They finished with a, a points differential of 104. So very good. Much better than the Packers' 63. If we look at what they did in the draft, they had a, a big draft. They had a lot of picks. I mean, two first-round picks. They went for Justin Jefferson, wide receiver at LSU. Obviously, Stephon Diggs has moved on to Buffalo. So there's a replacement there. Jeff Gladney, cornerback from TCU. Bit yep. rich, 31. I was going to say he's very much the replacement for yeah, Stephon Diggs. Yeah, Jeff Gladney, cornerback. So there's another need filled. Uh, Ezra Cleveland, very good offensive tackle from Boise State. So one of the things that was happening to Kirk Cousins last year is just getting mauled. So there were videos from certain YouTubers saying about, you know, he's not as bad as you think he is. He's just not getting the time that he needs in the pocket to to deliver. He's, he's not bad. He's, not, he's, he's quite an accurate quarterback. I think he does get a bit of short shift from fellow players and, and uh, spectators. But I don't think he's a terrible quarterback. I think he's deserving of being a starting quarterback. I think he doesn't help himself when he gets these massive he's, contracts when he moves places. No, I think he's very easy to blame. Yeah. I think every now and again he'll he'll get the blame just because of the fact that he'll miss an open pass that's, uh, that anyone should make and it's very easy to look at those circumstances and say, well, you're third and four and you missed a slant and you should easily have made it. So it's those moments to stand out and obviously the fact that he's never, or he hasn't for a very long time, won any of the big games under the under the lights of the Monday night football or Thursday night football. So he's an easy person to pick up, very easy person to pick up. But I agree, I don't think he's that bad. I think he's okay. There's a reason that the Skins franchise tagged him two seasons running. Hopefully that overtime win in in New Orleans will dispel some of that because that was a clutch performance really for that throw to Carl Rudolph at the end to get the, to get the ball in. And I think the other problem for, for cousins is that, you know, he, he was a later round quarterback and unless you've won multiple Super Bowls, people never really seem to forget that. And again, you've got to prove yourself all the time. So it's, it's not been easy for him, but they had 15 picks in this draft. I think they did fairly well with it. You know, Cameron Dantzler is another cornerback they picked up in round three. Uh, Troy Dye, a linebacker from Oregon in round four. Harrison Hand, cornerback from Temple. They did a lot of work on the on the secondary in this draft. And offensive line, uh, Ezra Cleveland, Blake Brandall from Oregon State, Kyle Hinton from Washburn at center. I, I think they've had a good draft. I think they're, they're primed to move forward. They do look still to be very light at cornerback. Okay, I mean, I, I would. It's a matter of opinion about whether they really improve their cornerback positioning. I think they've made some good pickups there in the draft. You might say Gladney's a little bit early as a pick, but they had to do something. And the other good thing they've done is they've moved on Stephon Diggs. So they've got rid of one of the bad influences in the in the dressing room and got some very good picks out of it. So yeah. good moves for the Vikings. I'm expecting more from next year. What, what say you, Dave? Well, I mean, their, their main strength really is their secondary with uh, Daniel Hunter. Uh, I think they still got Anthony Barr and Eric Kendricks having Harrison Smith, obviously. 
one of the main strengths. It does worry me at cornerback, though. It wouldn't surprise me if they end up going for someone like Logan Ryan, who's still on the board from um, the Titans. Uh, last season, how many wins did they get last year? Was it 10? Was it 8, 9, 10? I think it was about 10, wasn't it? 10 wins. This, uh, this year, then, I will go... I think they're going to win a lot of division games, so therefore, on that basis, I'm going to go 11 wins. Okay. I'm, again, I'm going to beat you. I'm going to go with 12. I think they're a very good regular season team. Okay. The fact they've got 10 and yeah, they had some issues going on there, I'm expecting better things. So, yeah, let's yeah. go with 12. Not as many as the Packers managed to put in, but I've taken a load off the Packers this year, so let's give a couple of them to the Vikings. And that's not how it works, but, you know, I'm, that's how I'm calculating this thing in my head. Yeah, no, I, I think it's sensible to think that the Packers will go down and the Vikings will go up. Um Again, I think it, they're they're one of the teams who are underrated um, as a ten win team. I think they're better than ten wins last year. They had a couple of uh, a couple of losses, which were really unfortunate. Mm-hmm. Um, I think when that that game that they lost against the Chiefs, they could have easily won that game. Uh, but then again, they were fortunate to beat the Broncos. At one point, they were they were massively far behind against the Broncos. Um, so I think they lost to the Bears late on in the season as well. So yeah, there's a, there's a couple of games which quite could have quite easily turned around there. And there's no doubt that that dressing room is going to be significantly better without Stefan Diggs. There's no no doubt about that whatsoever. Mm. Okay, so let's go on then to the Chicago Bears. They managed to finish eighth and eight. Weird. Bears uh, second year under head coach McNaggy. Obviously, he was twelve and four the year before that. So eight and eight is a bit of a come down for them. They were three and six. Going into week 10, managed to win a, a few of the games against division rivals uh, second half of the season, including at Minnesota and at Detroit. So, yeah, finished with a very good record, considering I had the best case scenario at 5-11 and 11 when I was looking at week 11. So kind of kind of pulled out of the bag there. They, they scraped a few wins. <laughs> One of the big pieces of news for the Bears this year was that they're not picking up Trubisky's fifth-year option. So they've also brought in Nick Foles. The consummate professional backup. What what things going to happen here, Dave? When you look at the um, the Bears roster, there's there's obvious um, talent on the defensive side of the ball. Um, on the offensive side, I don't have a huge amount of faith mm. that they're going to be uh, going to be a scoring machine. I think it's going to be a similar story to last year, where the defense is going to suffer because of the lack of um, quality on the offensive side of the ball. I think they were fortunate last year at times to finish with the record that they did because, I mean, there was some games, I mean, they beat the Broncos again um, they with a last-minute kick. And again, it didn't really make a huge amount of sense that game because they come out of it with a winning. You're thinking, you shouldn't have won that game. They underscored. They Their defence was superb last season, best in their division by a long way. Um, but you can't keep resting on your defence. You absolutely can't do it. Um, so, yeah, Jimmy Graham signing as... I think they they picked up Cole Komet as well, didn't they, in the, uh, in the draft? They did. That was their first pick in the draft. It was a second-round pick because, obviously, they're still paying for Khalil Mack in first-round draft picks. So, yeah, Cole Komet out of Notre Dame. And But, yeah, I mean, with players on the side of the ball like Danny Trevathan, Khalil Mack, I mean, Akeem Hicks is Eddie still Jackson. there. Carl Fuller still there. Eddie Jackson, yeah. How can I forget Eddie Jackson? Come on. Um, yeah, Robert Quinn from Dallas, who we mentioned earlier on as well. So, there's... There's definite talent on the defensive side of the ball. It's just not matched up on the offensive side. I think this year they will get, I am going to go, I want to say five wins, but I think that defense is too good, so I'm going to go six. Six wins. Okay. I think they had an okay draft. Obviously, no first-round pick, so Cole Komet, a tight end in round two is a little bit high. 
but if they felt they needed one, then fair enough. Yeah. Jalen Johnson's a good cornerback out of Utah in in the second round as well. Travis Gibson, offensive line outside, outside linebacker from Tulsa, and Darnell Mooney was one that I mentioned in our pod, at wide receiver from Tulane, Green Wave. He is very quick. He's going to be probably a kind of Devin Hester-ish return guy for the for the Bears. I think he comes in and works on special teams for a start at least. Not sure he's going to make much difference on the offensive side of the ball, but yeah, special teams, you should make a difference. No. So yeah, you give him the Bears six wins. I, it's, it's hard to know what to say about the Bears this year because you know he's going to be throwing the ball. Yeah, it's a tough one. Like, is, is Trubisky going to make it to the start of the season? Or is, is, are they going to say, all right, Mitch, sit down. Have I mean, because they were playing Chase Daniel quite a bit last year as well. They, they started to kind of phase him out, didn't they? They obviously a slight injury. They they took precautions, <laughs> you know. They they're gonna give uh, Trubisky as much rope as he possibly can want. They're gonna give him all the rope in the world. Let him hang himself and let us bring in foals. That's that's essentially what he's gonna mm. get. Um, so they're gonna say, you want to throw it, you throw it deep, son. You want to, yeah, absolutely. You you run that defense, you run that offense how you want to run it. Because the second you start losing those games, and it's not a case of you start losing games, you start losing us games, which you will. Mm-hmm. Foles is gonna be in. It would surprise me if Foles isn't in by week five. In all honesty, I think because because at, at that point they are. You know they're going to be struggling. Their schedule this year is not particularly kind to them. I'm not going to lie. I think they're one of these teams who are. I think they're a very, very good team on the defensive side of the ball. But when it comes down to that, you know, running two minute drills and being reliable and doing the things that an offense should. I mean, they, 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 they weren't even using David Montgomery as much as they should have last season. It was just it was head scratching throughout all of last year. Um, I mean, Cordero Patterson got their offensive and special teams player of the year last year. If he gets injured, then all of a sudden, what have they got at wide receiver? You yeah, know? it's. I just find it. I find it difficult to believe they're going to be going to have any kind of impact this season. But you gave them six wins. I do, uh, but that six wins is because of that defense. They they concern me at cornerback, but. I yeah I I'm not I'm not entirely convinced. Let's just put it that way. No, all right. I'll give them five because yeah, again, Dave. I think you're you know far too conservative. So how dare you call me conservative? <laughs> no, I you know, that six is purely based on Nick Foles coming in after about week five, and that defense is going to win them games on its own. Khalil Mack is not going to take two seasons off. Let's talk about the Detroit Lions, shall we? Yeah. Woo! Second season with Matt Patricia as the head coach. They were 3-3-1 three, three and one before their season got hit with uh, QB Matthew Stafford breaking his backbone in the Week 9 loss to the Raiders. And then former Bengals backup QB Jeff Driscoll, JDTD, and later undrafted free agent David Blau at quarterback for them. So a rough old season for Blau. those Lions. Like I said, first part of that year, they were looking right on it to be challenging for the division title. And, uh, and yeah, that's what happens yeah. when you lose your franchise quarterback. It all goes to pot. Is Matt Stafford the most underrated quarterback in the league? I'm not saying he's the best, but is he the most underrated? I think a lot of people forget just how good Matt Stafford is. Yeah, I think it's because he's so quiet. I think that was illustrated last season. Because there's other underrated QBs in the league, you know, Cam Newton now, and Jameis Winston to an extent, because of, you know, he can throw deep balls, at least. 
Oh, I think Jameis Winston is one of the most celebrated quarterbacks <laughs> in the league, <laughs> just because he's great to watch, because he's such a rogue. Yeah, I'm not sure he's a great quarterback <laughs> at all, obviously. It's just a rascal in terms of the way he plays. Massive deficiencies in his game, but um, no. to see him you know, just being yeah. a backup now is a bit bit hard to take in terms of underrated though you're probably right just because he's so quiet you just always forget about him and the Lions have always had a bad record you know there always something happens there's always an injury yeah. or some or bad decisions that keep going against them yeah, absolutely just always right. seems to nix the Lions absolutely right they've had some great players they just never seem to be able to put it all together and the end of the season nine losses in a row minus 82 point differential you know swept by all the teams in their division so Owen six, you know, it, it wasn't wasn't fun to watch after Stafford went down. Before he went down, though, they were starting to put stuff together. Yeah, uh, which was kind of crazy because Matt Patricia had a terrible first season yeah. as head coach. You know, rumors of him turning up late to press conferences, to not taking things seriously, not really ingratiating himself with the dressing room. So to see the kind of transformation that was happening for the Lions before Stafford got injured. It's a real bit of a heartbreaker, and I don't think a sort of three twelve and one record in the end is indicative of how that team can be next season. Yes, I agree. Excellent. If we look at the draft, they stuck at uh, pick three, and they took Jeffrey Akuda, cornerback from Ohio State. This guy is legitimately a shutdown corner. Then they went DeAndre Swift, another running back uh, in the second round from Georgia. This time, they they do like picking up running backs. They'll keep trying until they get one that they feel can stick around. Julian Aquara, linebacker from Notre Dame in round three, as well as Jonah Jackson, guard from Ohio State. So there were some good, they took good players from big schools. You know, Quintus Cephas, wide receiver from Wisconsin in round five. Now, I, was, I was fairly impressed with their draft class. They're not always great at drafting the Lions, but this year I think they did really well. Yeah, well, I think their draft class, I think they came out of it with massive credit. Um, I think they've addressed areas of need. There's no doubt about that. And that Jeffrey Kuda pickup, I, I always say picking up a cornerback at three is uh, is a bit rich for me. But it was an again, it was an area of need. Obviously, with um, Darius Slayton moving out, so it it made perfect sense for Darius Slay. Darius Slay, Slayton Slay, same thing. <laughs> Slayton Slay, yeah. Yeah, but it, it, it made sense in in their area of need. And you know, as you say, he's a guy who's got massive talent. Um, free agency. I mean, any, anyone who's really ex-New England has gone there. Yeah, Jamie Collins has gone there. Yeah, that's basically the And way. Danny Shelton's gone there from New England. Yes, uh, so defensive tackle. They, they play a 4-3, so that Danny, Shel- Danny Shelton might actually turn out to be quite a sneaky little pickup because they play a 4-3, that rushing... He was a first-round pick for the for yeah. the Browns yeah. once upon a time. He's undoubted talent, really is. Real undoubted talent. He's only 27. Jesus, Really? Jesus yeah. Christ. That's how quickly the Browns move on from first-round talent. <laughs> and long may it continue. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but no, they've got real talent on the defensive side of the ball. I'm a big Matt Stafford fan. I don't think he's you know a top-ten quarterback or anything like that, but I think he's massively underrated. And, you know, mm-hmm. you look at early the early... Um, results last year. I can't remember exactly what they were. I know they drew the first game of the season against the Cardinals because um, that was a game that went on forever on red zone. Um, beat the Chargers, beat the Eagles, came within one score against the Chiefs, uh, lost against the Packers by the odd point or two, um, and they beat the Giants and the... I think they they beat the Raiders or they lost to the Raiders. I think it was a close game either way. They lost to the, it. They that beat was, the Chargers, Eagles and Giants. Yeah, and then that was... Um, 
the last game last game for Matt Stafford. Uh, and then after that, mm-hmm. it was um, uh, JDTD and David Blount. So mm. look at their receiving call. Golladay, I think, is, is massively underrated. Um, Marvin Jones, again, superb wide receiver. I think, again, massively underrated. Their receiving core is so good. Jesse James, good blocker, good possession uh, tight end. Yeah, he's fine. TJ Hawkinson, I think, he's one of the big victims of having Stafford missing last year. I think Hawkinson has gone under the radar. Um, Kerryon Johnson. He was injured as well. Uh, what uh, Was that towards the end of the season or at the beginning? So I remember seeing him quite a few. A lot, large swathes of it. He got injured like after week three, I think it was, and then had to wait a long time before coming back. Yeah, because I remember there was, uh, I remember seeing him a few times, but again, he had uh, David Blau throwing to him for long periods. So, yeah, their running game is okay. I think picking up DeAndre Swift might end up being, um, might end up being a, a, a pretty good piece of uh, business for them. So, I, I like what they've done in free agency and, just because I love a rogue pick, I am going to go the Lions with eight. That's my pick. Oh, that's a great improvement. Yeah. So they've gone, did they have three wins last year? They've gone from three to eight, I think. Yeah. Three, 12 and yeah. one. What about you, Jim? Now we, we have got, a, before we make this pick, before I make this pick anyway, we don't know how healthy Matt Stafford is. No. Um, that's on the basis that Matt's, Matt Stafford's healthy. I mean, they have picked up Chase Daniel from the Bears. Yeah. And although he's not brilliant, he's, he's on the better side of uh, the par mark of um, backup quarterbacks. Yeah, maybe. I'm a bit worried about this because I want to give him uh, a nice big number. But if, I, if I'm not sure about Stafford coming back, then I, I feel silly doing it. So let's give him let's give him eight and eight because you're going for the same as me. That's conservative. I'm going. Okay. I don't want it. I want it to go more. I want it to go at least nine or ten. Well, you give him eight. You give him eight. I'll give him seven. As that because then we're we've got a different. <laughs> then we've got a difference. <laughs> All right. You, you can have the seven right. if you want. So I don't. Mind. Can't have the don't same. Mind. No, no, no. It's going to be hopefully. Yeah, at least I mean, I'll, I'll, I'm going to be honest. I want him to win fifteen. They deserve to have a good season. The Broncos don't play in this year, so I don't care. And. The only two things that are really preventing me from saying a really big, round, solid number is, number one, it's the Lions, and something always happens, as you say. Yeah. Um, and the second thing is um, that I don't necessarily believe in Matt Patricia. So mm. if it wasn't for those two things, if it was anyone else other than um, you know maybe Jeff Fisher, then I'd probably buy into it a little bit more. Um, but yeah, we'll we'll see where it goes. I, I've gone for I'll go for seven. You go for eight. I think eight's a good good solid number though. I I think they're going to finish second in the division. Yeah, I agree. Okay, before we move on to the NFC South, Dave, I need a drink because my voice is just turned to gravel, and uh, <laughs> so <laughs> let's sound quite sexy. <laughs> let's lose that sexiness. All right, so we're gonna have a quick break. Come back for part two in just a few minutes. Okay. Yeah. Welcome back, guys, to part two of the Jim and the King NFL podcast. This is the NFC review show with myself and Denver Dave. Hi, Dave. <laughs> Brilliant. We've just done the NFC East and the NFC North. Now time to look at the South and the West. So we're going to start with the NFC South. And the first team to look at is the New Orleans Saints. Um, despite losing Drew Brees to a thumb injury in weeks three to seven, the Saints went 5-0 and with Teddy Bridgewater 
as the quarterback. So yeah. didn't miss a step there. They finished the season 13 and three. They, because of a three-way tiebreaker with the Packers and the 49ers, they actually had to then play in the wildcard round, so they didn't get a bye. And that hurt them. So for the second time in three years, Saints were eliminated by the Vikings in the playoffs. They lost 20-26 to in overtime in the Mercedes-Benz Superdome Stadium. Painful. But, you know, yeah. them's the breaks. <laughs> At least they couldn't. At least they couldn't cry foul this time. That's the main thing. Yeah. Well, uh, they did try. They said that <laughs> Carl Rudolph pushed off on the uh, on the play. Yeah, but I mean, I'm, you can make those claims, but anyone with half a brain and knew that that wasn't. You know, that there was no way that was a foul. No way it was uh, offensive pass interference. And uh, thankfully, because it was such a ludicrous, so because it was such a ludicrous, ludicrous claim. Um, <laughs> yeah, it turned out to be uh, forgotten about quite quickly. Mm. I mean, in, in, terms, in terms of uh, Saints fans, when we came to Wembley and met you for the uh, Texans game, um, I met a Saints fan on the train. And I was a bit drunk at this point. I don't know, I'd had a beer or two. And he started saying about how they were robbed the season before. And I opened up a tirade of going off on one, saying, no, you weren't, and how much of an idiot he was. And bearing in mind that I had never spoken to this guy before or since he just sat there in silence <laughs> afterwards, and he got pretty awkward. <laughs> I'm yeah. not going to lie. <laughs> well, okay. <laughs> yeah, that's fair enough, though, though. Fair enough. You were absolutely right with your, your points. So, Saints, yeah, yeah they, the season ends abruptly for them. They're obviously hoping to get one better after they were robbed the season before against the, the Rams. So what have they done after that season's finished? Well, obviously, Teddy Bridgewater's moved on because they can keep hold of him. Andrew Brees and Taysom Hill is a football player. <laughs> they had, had the draft. They had the draft. They only had four picks in this draft, which is kind of impressive. 24th pick, they took Cesar Ruiz, center from Michigan. No one was expecting that to go. And of course, no. they didn't have a pick until the fourth round originally. They had to move up to get Zach Bowne, outside linebacker from Wisconsin. So they moved from a switch with Cleveland. They got another pick in the third round, Adam Troutman, tight end from Dayton. My guy. Yep. yep. You know, I'm a massive fan of Adam Troutman. Huge fan. You are, yeah. And then they finished yep. their draft with a QB, Tommy Stevens from Mississippi State. No one took Anthony Gordon, the guy that you really like. No. Yes. No Tommy Stevens got taken. Idiots. <laughs> well, <laughs> Fools, we'll, we'll, we'll see one day. They have done a lot to <laughs> to reach out to the, the aged in free agency as well. So yes. Malcolm Jenkins, 32, free safety has moved across. Emmanuel Sanders, 33, wide receiver from San Francisco has moved across. PJ Williams, 27-year-old cornerback. You know, G, D, uh, DJ Swearingen, Free safety 29 from, has been re-signed for the Saints. So their average age is quite high. Yeah. I, mean, I think I'm being fair on this. And with Drew Brees, yeah, their absolutely. average age curve goes right through the roof. So what are we expecting for, for next season, Dave, with these Saints? When you look at the Saints, um, there's massive amounts of talent on both, both sides of the ball. I mean, that's obviously been... Um, to the detriment of last year's draft. But with players like Cesar Ruiz, for example, he, yes, he's a centre, but he can play either side of centre. So he can play left guard or right guard. You obviously wouldn't start him as a tackle. Um, Jameis Winston obviously gives him more depth at running at uh, quarterback. 
Uh, running back, I still think they've still got Tavius Murray. Um, yep. Alvin Kamara is obviously there, um, and he's gonna he's got to have a better season last, next season uh, yeah. than he did do last season. Um, that wide receiving core is just dirty. It's so good. Um, and but on the defensive side of the ball, I mean they're so strong. They've still got Kiko Alonso, um, and he had massive production last year. Um, Von Bell and Eli Apple have both gone. But as you said, Malcolm Jenkins come in. I think Janaris Jenkins is still there. Um, so yeah, I because of their. If you look at their um, the way that they're going to start the season next year, they open up with the Bucks. Um, I think that game is primed for disappointment for all Bucks fans. There's so much, <laughs> you know, everyone's looking so forward to it, and then they just absolutely destroyed. Then they play the Raiders. We know what I think about those. Then they play the Packers again. Um, then it's Lions, Chargers, then Panthers. There's a good chance that they could be 8-0, and 7-1. and one. Um, mm. So on that basis, and I don't think this is a particularly good division this year. I think there's holes all over this division. I don't think the Falcons or all that will get into it. And the Panthers have obviously got issues as well. So I am going to go a little bit controversial. No, it's not really controversial. I'm going to say 13 wins. How's that a controversial? It's exactly the same as last year. You've done it again. Is it really? You've done it again. (laughs) Is it? Do you know what? You need to pipe down on this, Mark. (laughs) I I don't remember what he was that they got. I'm going to go... I said 13 in three. It just shows you're not listening to me. I think they're significantly better than most (laughs) of the other teams in this league. So they'll go 13 and three, the same as they did last year. Okay. Well, yeah. (laughs) Say how you really feel, Dave. That's what I want to hear. All right? Okay. So... Despite bringing up Winston, they're still pushing all in with Drew Brees. You know, to still have him there means you know, you're, you're rolling with Brees, come what may. Yep. And I've been predicting Drew Brees falling off a cliff for a few years now, so I'm not looking forward to doing it again. I just don't know about this Saints team. You know, this is a it's been a long time for for Sean Payton. Was he ten years now? He's been their their head coach, well, maybe nine with the suspension. But it's been a long time since Drew Brees won that Super Bowl. And since then, they've been the bridesmaid. They've not got back to the Super Bowl since then. I, I think that, you know, they've, they've had their window, and I, I believe that window is closing. I don't actually think their wide receiver caused that great outside of Michael Thomas. So, no, Emmanuel Sanders, Trequan Smith. Yeah, he's lost a step, though. Jared Cook, yes, he's a tight end. He is a wide receiver. There's no, he's not blocking for anyone, so he's essentially a wide yeah, receiver. Yeah, he, he has good seasons and bad seasons. There are seasons that you see yeah. him play, he doesn't do well at all. The Packers, he did nothing. So Goes to the Raiders, plays really well. So last year he had a bad season, so this year he'll have a good one. That's the way it works. <laughs> and Adam Troutman, I really, really like and think he can make a difference to that team. I take on board your point about if you, if you don't, this is one of those rosters, if you don't believe in them, Mm. Um, it's easy to dismiss um, some of the gaps that are there. Um, I'm on the opposite side of that, uh, where they've just got quality running all the way through that defense. Well, I think they maximised what they could have done last year in getting 13 and three. To have gone five and zero with Teddy Bridgewater was pretty impressive. Yeah, I, I don't see them doing it again. I'm going to give them 11 wins. 11. I mean, that's still good. 11 and oh, yeah. 11 win season is still very good. <laughs> they're not a bad team, Dave. I'm not saying they're a bad team. I'm just saying that <laughs> I don't think they did an awful lot in the draft. And yeah, I just think they rode their luck. <laughs> well, they didn't, did they? They had four picks and one of them was a centre. Well, well, yeah, obvious. Well, he's a centre who can play inside of guard. And one so. was a late round quarterback. So what, what are we talking what, about? Here, what, you know? 
what they've essentially done is pick up a first round pick who can play in three different positions and not at the same time though end. Obviously, <laughs> um, they've picked up a tight end who can fill, who fills an area of need, and is and looks to be a good prospect as well. So yeah, I, I mean, I have no issue with what they've done. I think they've done very well. Eleven wins. Yeah, and we're moving on to the Atlanta Falcons. Move on. <laughs> yeah. Somehow the Atlanta Falcons managed to claw their way out. They had to wait until they were out of contention for the playoffs before they started playing well. It was a one and seven record going into their bye week. Fifth mm. season as head coach for Dan Quinn in Atlanta, uh, famously the defensive coordinator for the Seahawks, and which gave him that head coaching job here in Atlanta. He's never yeah. really uh, taken that Legion of Boom style shutdown defense to Atlanta. They were hoping to prove, improve on the 7 and 9 2018 campaign. That didn't happen. They managed to claw their way back oh. to 7 and 9, uh, the, the Jeff Fisher number. So after the bye week, <laughs> they went seven and two. So yeah. great wins. The first one was a complete stunner, a 26-9 win away at New Orleans. Then they beat the Panthers 29-3. to Okay, lost to the Bucks and then the Saints in the, in the return game. But yeah, they, they won out their last four games, including the overtime win against Tampa Bay in week 17. Bit of a, you know, a nothing game. I mean, like I said, they were out of contention anyway. By the time it got to Tampa Bay in week 12. So they'd given themselves too much of a hurdle to overcome. Matt Ryan has continued to regress without Carl Shanahan there to prop him up. And yeah, the, that, that, for that start as well was the worst start for them um, in 16 years. Mm. So just to show how badly yeah. they, they started this season off. It wasn't as though they were sort of just missing out on games and just losing games. They were getting pounded on. They were getting really, really beat in those games. So, you know, it's yes, it's a game, it's a season of two halves where they finished the season incredibly strong. But it's also a lot of the teams who they were playing against were had massive injury lists. And I don't think I don't think the uh, the Falcons actually did come out come away with too many injuries from last season. No. Um, there's obviously some big signings for them, um, some headline real headline grabbers, which you know, I'm not sure how much of a, an impact they'll have. So we talk about Todd Gurley for a start. A one-year 5.5 million deal to come yeah. across from the Rams at running back. You've got Dante Fowler. He's yeah. also come across and from then, the Rams for 45 million on a three-year deal at defensive end. I mean, that's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. <laughs> Someone's um, Hayden Hurst as well has come from Baltimore. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, but the, the, I mean, I've said this on a previous podcast, the massive concern has to be the cornerback position. Um, Isaiah Oliver and Kendall, Kendall Sheffield. That's, I mean, yeah. huge concerns, huge concerns there. Um, so they were picking at 16 in the draft and they took AJ Terrell, cornerback from Clemson. Yeah. They heeded your words, Dave, and they, they sorted well, out. They did, but I've read numerous, numerous places that they've picked up AJ Terrell potentially um, to play uh, free safety. Now, I'm not being funny. I know they picked up safety as well, but I'm just, I, that that can't be correct, can it? Surely. No. But when when your best cornerback is a rookie who's never played a snap in the NFL, I I don't understand how they can possibly go into a season without adding another uh, another cornerback in into this roster. I, they they absolutely have to. Surely. I mean, Prince Mukamara is still. Um, 
still unsigned, so he's a possibility. Obviously, Logan Ryan. Can, I don't think they got the cap space for Logan Ryan, quite frankly. Um, but they they absolutely have to go out and get someone because that otherwise I I absolutely w- cannot wait to play them on in on um, November eighth um, <laughs> when the Broncos come against them. I mean, their their cornerbacks against Jerry Judy. Bring it on! I can't wait. That's that's the game that should have been in London, by the way. Yeah, uh, but those games are obviously cancelled now. So unfortunately, yeah, sad face. Okay, yeah. so. They managed to luck out a seven and nine finish to the season. What are you giving them this year? Um, the problem is that. <laughs> oh God! Is... Just say seven no, no, wins, no, no, Dave. We all know you're going to. <laughs> no, I think this is this is one of those uh, one of those rosters that can either go, you know, five and eleven or eleven and five. Now the problem is yeah. I don't think they've got anywhere near eleven in that. So I'm going to go five wins. Five wins. I don't think they've improved. Five wins. I don't think they've improved. I think if Tug Gurley gets injured, then what run game have they got? They've got what? Ito Smith and Brian Hill. You know, it, there's there's nothing there. You don't look at that roster and go, I don't want to play them. You look at that roster and go, oh, I want to play them. them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. And the thing is as well, when you when you look at the last five minutes of a game, and you you know, I don't like playing the Steelers. Because in the last five minutes of the game, you'll always do something that you think you bust. <laughs> you know what I mean? They'll pull something out of the bag where there'll be a yeah. slant which will be caught after 15. It'll be 25 yards after contact. And all of a sudden, they've turned a third and 10 into a first down or first and goal or something like that. The Falcons don't do that. I don't have that fear of Dan Quinn changing the game by making a certain decision. It's just, it's just not there. So, yeah, I, I, I don't see them being that huge threat, to be perfectly honest. No. What's okay. Huge well, I think you're absolutely right. They're not an 11-5 team. I, and as you go on 5-11, and 11, I'm going to have to go worse. I'm going to have to go 4-12. and 12. <laughs> I mean, I like the bravery of it. Um, I'm nothing but brave. I, well, you say that. You're only one or two off on me, and you've been slagging me off all the way through there. <laughs> <laughs> You've finally grown a pair and most of yours their are... scores from last year. Absolutely yeah, ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, you're saying that and you're going, what? So we're basically looking at last year and deducting or adding one because you're within one of me. How is on that one? Every single one of the last picks. Oh my God. That's what? no. It's not, uh, uh, that's you're whatever, within one whatever. of me, you idiot. Yeah, for this one pick. <laughs> you've finally grown a pair and got off the seven and nine train. Right, so for most, of, I've said seven <laughs> once. You were looking at. Let's move on to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, okay? Because this is a team that that is now no longer the same team we saw, and we're going to review just now. It's the Bucks' first season with Bruce Arians as head coach, and he improved on their five and eleven record, but got them to seven and nine. So you know. And with that last loss in overtime against the the Falcons, they did switch places in division rankings. So, hmm. Bucks missed out in the playoffs for the 12th consecutive season. Only the Browns have missed the playoffs uh, in the 2010s as much as that. Okay. But they did finish with a plus nine points differential. So the good thing about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers was that you were guaranteed that Winston was going to sling it. And it was either going to be brilliant or it was going to be terrible. So, they've done a lot of movement. <laughs> in the offseason, though. First of all, they've taken a guy called Thomas Brady as the new quarterback. They've moved on their former first overall pick in Jameis Winston. 
They've also unretired Rob Gronkowski. Mm-hmm. And they had a stellar draft. So sitting there at number 13, Tristan Wirfs, the offensive tackle from Iowa, falls into the lap. They were always going to take an offensive tackle to prop up the 42-year-old Tom Brady. Is he 43 now? Yeah. I don't know. It's getting that way. Antoine Winfield Jr., safety from Minnesota in round two. Another great pickup. Keyshawn Vaughn, running back from Vanderbilt in round three. Uh, wide receiver in Tyler Johnson in round five from Minnesota. Khalil Davis, defensive tackle from the Nebraska in round six. And then the linebacker and running back again in, in round seven. So good pickups there in the draft. Anything in free agency that you want to particularly highlight? I think one of the major things that they've done is tag in uh, Shaquille Barrett because obviously last season he was mm. a massive, massive positive for them. Um, you know, I'm a fan of Shaq Barrett. I wish he'd never left the Broncos, to be perfectly honest. Yeah. Um, in terms, I mean, if you look at free agency, uh, bringing in Brady and Gronkowski, that is what it is. Um, I mean, obviously, it grabs headlines and that's what everyone's going to be looking at. But it's also, when you look at their defense, I mean, Devin White really knitted it together. He was their first round pick mm-hmm. last season. And Levante David, I'm a huge fan of Levante David as well. So those yeah. two play in because they play 3 4. Um, those two rushing from the inside. Jason Pierre Paul, the ever present, is uh, still there as well with Shaq Barrett on the other side. Uh, the secondary is okay. I don't think there's anything particularly special about the secondary, but I think it's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, I think when you look at their team, there's still concerns uh, at receiver. I think Chris Goodwin is Chris Goodwin and Mike Evans are obviously uh, obviously very good. I don't. Mike Evans got as soon as Mike Evans tore his hamstring last year, um, it was all on Chris Goodwin. He was getting double teamed so much. Um, Philly Sy had Chris Goodwin in his team, and his um, for the first couple of weeks, I think there was uh, there was a upsurge in the amount of uh, receptions he was having, and after that, it kind of kind of sort of tailed off a little bit. Yeah, but they're tight. The tight end group now, considering that the quarterback's not going to be able to throw more than ten yards, with OJ Howard, uh, I think Cameron Bray, Cameron Bray's still there, isn't he? And then obviously Grunt coming in for his uh, eight yard slant is uh, is going to be effective for them. <laughs> Um, I am going to say that they're going to get 10 wins next season. I mean, there are a lot of people saying they're Super Bowl contenders because of Brady being there. Well, a lot of people, they're the same people who are saying that the Browns were last year, so I'm not paying attention. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, 43-year-old Brady. I, I was ready to completely write them off, but bringing in someone like Tristan Wirfs is going to make sure that Brady is at least going to be standing upright for the majority of this season. Uh, so it's difficult to say they're going to be worse than last year. I think they're going to be better. I think they're going to be nine and seven good. <laughs> yeah. yeah, nine so and seven. Again you're, going, again, you're going one behind me either way. Yeah, okay. Mm. Basically just copying what I'm doing. No, no you... <laughs> I think what you like, Dave. <laughs> but, you know, I'm trying oh, to... I do. That's I'm how I'm facts here, I'm like. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so let's okay. go on then to the Panthers. Finished 5-11, yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Again, such a good start. It was the Panthers' eighth and final year with Ron Rivera as the head coach. He was fired after a 14, week 14 loss to the Falcons. Um, before that, he'd gone to the bye week at 4-2. Uh, and that was obviously after Cam had gone down with a season-ending foot injury. Before week three, Kyle Allen finished the season as the uh, undrafted free agent pickup. 
did all right for himself, considering they lost an awful lot of games. Uh, he did yeah. win those those uh, five games for them. But after week nine at Tennessee, yeah, they finished out just losing the rest of the games. It was a, yeah, a tough old run for them. They ended up with a points differential of minus 130. I yeah. mean... <laughs> so, but of course, it's all changed now. They had an interim coach during the season, but they brought in Matt Rule from the ex-Baylor head coach. And yeah. I don't know about you, Dave, but I'm quite impressed. They have had a decision to just completely revamp the defense. Obviously, Luke Keekley is the massive news because he's retired and they've yeah. released Cam Newton. So the team, the, the main pieces that got them to the Super Bowl five years ago are now completely gone. There is nothing left. And they've looked at the, Matt Rule's looked at this team and gone, I'm going to start and make the most disruptive defense I can possibly make. And they had they had seven picks in the draft, two second rounders, no third rounder. And they have they one I think the only team has just gone defense. No no other team has just gone with one side of the ball. But Derek Brown at number seven, uh, the defensive tackle from Auburn, is a typical Panthers player. Then Yito Gross Massos, defensive end from Penn State, he can be very good. I saw flashes in his tape that I liked. Sometimes he was it wasn't quite as dangerous as someone like Chase Young, obviously, but you know he was at least a pain. Let's <laughs> say for offensive yeah. tackles. I mean that that's the re- that's the reason he's going in the second round as opposed to first. When he is on form, he's on form, and he's going into a defense that's surrounded by talent. So you expect him to be productive. Yeah, uh, Jeremy Chin and uh, Kenny Robinson, two safeties, went cornerback in Troy Pride in round four from Notre Dame. Bravian Roy, the defensive tackle from Baylor. So obviously Matt Rule knows Bravian Roy. And he went yeah. in round six. And then Stanley Thomas Oliver, cornerback from Florida International in round seven. So did a lot of work on one side of the ball. It's usually the, the best place to start when you're looking to revamp a team because the last thing you want is to get blown out. You want to give your offense a chance, give them good field position. So I'm, I'm very impressed. I admire the cojones. Let's put it that way. <laughs> to not pick up any offensive I players. Mean, go with what you know. That's the thing. Mm. Yeah, he's a defensive <laughs> coach, and he's gone. He's gone and basically maxed out his defensive cards. Um, I think he's. I think this stinks of a player of a coach who's there and knows he's there for a long time. I think he was at the yes. seventy contract he signed, so uh, he knows he's there for a long time. There's, there's no issue with him. Um, sort of going in and thinking I'm going to have to get in I'm going to have to get some exciting pieces on offence just because you know if I don't then we're going to be playing boring football and the GM's going to want to get rid of me but he knows he's there for a long time so he's like okay let me go in build a stable base uh, we'll get a franchise quarterback which Teddy Bridgewater pretty much is um, he goes down then I'm not sure what's behind him I'm not massively <laughs> keeping Will Greer to be honest but no well, they've still got well, yeah, they've still got the X factor that is Chris McCaffrey. So, yeah, they're paying you know, McCaffrey. They brought in Robbie Anderson as well from the Jets at wide receiver yep. on a two-year, twenty million dollar yeah. deal. They brought in yeah. Seth Roberts um, from the Ravens at wide receiver, and they, I think, they got Russell Okung from um, the Chargers as well as part of a trade, didn't they? Mm-hmm. Um, so now they've got a guy who actually wants to be there <laughs> as opposed to anything else. Yeah. So I, I don't think, I don't think they're going to do as bad as. A lot of people are suggesting there's, there's, you know, there's a lot of suggestions that this is going to be a turgid team to watch just because 
you know, they don't have a huge amount in terms of receivers other than Robbie Anderson. I'm not a massive, I mean, I like DJ Moore, but I'm not a massive sort of favourite of any of the Titans they've got. Um, it, this is a difficult one because that defence can really carry them and um, could really end up winning them games. So I, this is one I will struggle over most. Um, I um, I think I, it's going to be an eight, an eight, seven and eight, seven or eight team. Time to go seven. Before you accuse me, what did they get last year? Five and eleven. All right, I'll go seven then. It's different to five. So. All right. <laughs> Seven and nine, I believe. Okay. All right. Well, again, I think I think you're right. the The defense is going to keep them in games. Christian McCaffrey is uh, unblockable. Everyone knows where it's going, and he's still mentioned. It's like AP in his prime. Doesn't matter what you yeah. you try and scheme up, he's still going to get the ball, and you're still going to going to gash you a few times a game at least. So I'm the only difference gonna... really with the only difference really with Chris McCaffrey is you have you can't just line up for the run because. Not only will he uh, more often than not get the run, but when he doesn't, he'll then branch off and, re- and actually get the ball as a receiver. So you have to almost scheme both sides of the ball just for that one player, which then frees everything else open. He's not really fair. Um, no, it's almost cheat mode, isn't it? Yeah. So you've gone seven. I'm going to give him eight wins. I think it's still it's a transition year for them, but it's definitely an improvement. I I like Matt Rule. I think this is. Uh, a stepping stone towards a much better 2021 season. Yeah. So I don't think eight and eight is anything to sniff at, considering what they've done the last couple of seasons where they've just capitulated. No, I, I agree. I agree entirely. I think eight feels a bit rich for me, but seven or eight sounds about right. <laughs> what? <laughs> eight feels a bit rich, but seven or eight seems right. Okay. Yeah, that's why I've gone for seven. So eight seems a bit rich. I think seven sounds more about right, but I think we're in the right area. Excellent. All right, so we've got one more division to go, Dave. We've got one more division to go. It's the NFC West. Last Let's one. get excited about this one, okay? It's the San Francisco 49ers, first of all. They finished with the number one seed in the NFC, 13-3. and um, They started 8-0 and for the first time since 1990. The 49ers surpassed their wins total from 2016, 2017, and 2018 combined for this, for this season. Yeah. So it's finally working out. It's the third year for... Carl Shanahan and John Lynch as the head coach GM uh, tandem. So they've gone through the bad times and now they're finally starting to reap some benefits of, of building a proper team. Uh, they beat the Vikings handily and the Packers easily in the playoffs before that Super Bowl 54 loss to the Chiefs 31-20 in Miami. They finished the regular season with a points differential of plus 169. Is that all? Is that yeah? That's a, that's everything they needed to do there. Uh, their only losses came against Seattle, the Ravens, and the Falcons when the Falcons were on a blitz at the end of the year. So extremely good season for the 49ers. Yeah. Apart from obviously that Super Bowl loss, you know everyone's seen it. Everyone knows kind of what happened. I would never understand why they moved away from their core abilities in that game, why they didn't run the ball, because whenever they did, they were getting success, why they kept trying to force the ball in the air, because you know if they'd just been sensible, they could have won that game. Yeah, I agree. So you can only hope but... that this isn't just a curse on Carl Shanahan 
and that they've got well, a very good chance of coming back there next year. Well, every year we we always see the same thing. It's gone back for quite some time now that the team who loses the Super Bowl, there is a knock-on effect. I mean, mm. the turbulence of, of that loss is still evident in Atlanta. I mean, they've still, it doesn't feel like they've ever really uh, sort of recovered from it. That's my only concern with this 49ers team. Um, I don't believe that there's enough talent receiving wise but with this team it just doesn't matter because you've got George Kittle who can just catch anything you put near him um, I offensively I mean with Trent Williams coming in it makes them that bit stronger as well well it makes them stronger considering the retirement um, of Joe Staley yeah and Joe Staley so I bringing in Javon Kinlaw I think is a stroke of genius because they're going to do exactly what the Eagles did when the Eagles won the Super Bowl, they would almost have two um, two lines, two defensive lines who would come in and just rush uh, the quarterback and, uh, between different plays. And between those, anyone who watches uh, documentaries about that uh, that team that won the Super Bowl for the Eagles, there was almost a competition going between the two groups of who could get the quarterback more. It wouldn't surprise me if a similar thing's happening uh, with the 49ers next season. Um, it's very, very difficult to look at the 49ers and think they're not going to be as strong as they were last year. Um, Yeah, I find it interesting because you called their mass improvement last year, so I'm interested to see Mm -hmm. what your your thoughts are. I'm going to go for nine wins, I think. (laughs) Oh, wow. Okay, right. So, yeah, you mentioned Javon Kinlaw, uh, defensive tackle from South Carolina. They ended up with two first-round picks because they traded DeForest Buckner to the Colts. Yeah. For that, for a thirteenth pick, then they switched with the Bucks for um, for one one position uh, for another draft pick. So they're they're always very very shrewd movers in the draft. Uh, Javon Kinlaw is a great pickup for them as a replacement because obviously a lot cheaper than DeForest Buckner, uh, and not not a massive drop off in talent either. Then they picked up Brandon Ayuk at pick 20, number twenty five from Arizona State, very very quick wide receiver. One of the complaints that that people had about the Super Bowl loss was obviously there was no uber speedy wide receiver. They always come back to that play near the end of the game when um, Garoppolo overthrew Emmanuel Sanders. Yeah. Can catch the ball. Sanders two years before would have got that. Yeah. They also picked up Jordan Jennings in round seven wide receiver out of Tennessee. Another quick guy. Cosmo McKivitz, the offensive tackle from West Virginia and Charlie Werner, tight end from Georgia. So not a lot of picks, only five, but, they made them count as far as I can see. They got better in positions where they felt they needed to. They didn't lose an awful lot. Um, they've, they've put like-for-like like replacements, like I said, um, yep. with Javon Kinlaw, like you said, with Trent Williams for Joe Staley. Obviously, Kyle knows about Trent from his time in, in Washington. So you're hoping that Trent will actually go and start playing again because we want to see the best players playing the game. Yeah, so, he's like basically a year out. So. Yeah. But as far as I can see, they haven't really lost anything. So I don't know how you're only getting nine wins out of this. The the only concern is the Super Bowl hangover. That's it. That's okay. literally the only concern. That's the only concern. Yeah. I think at the same time, this team's just too solid. The thing is, that, that Super Bowl hangover, it's not a, it doesn't feel like a theory anymore. It feels like something tangible that you can feel and that you can see in teams. Because the same thing happened with the Panthers when they lost. Same thing happened with the Falcons. It, it, the only team that it seemingly hasn't affected has been 
the Patriots. Every other team that's lost <laughs> the Super Bowl has constantly sort of failed the next year. And it feels now something that is almost measurable. So for that not to happen, it just, I'm not sure, not sure. But you've got, there's something to it, Dave. So if you're yeah. right, that teams that lose the Super Bowl have this Super Bowl hangover where, you know, it plays on them for at least one season, potentially multiple seasons. Look at who yeah. else is in FC West. This is Shell Shock City over here. The Seahawks and the Rams. That's the reason they've got nine wings. And this goes <laughs> to what I said. This goes to what I said last week as well. In the fact that now we're going to have a limited off season, coaching becomes that signif- that bit more important. So the fact that they've got uh, Kyle Shanahan there um, and Bob Salah as well. Mm-hmm. So the the fact that they've got that. Uh, that that coaching ability is gonna yeah is gonna give them and maybe it's maybe that's worth an extra win maybe it's worth five points a game I don't know but they're gonna have that over other teams and that's the reason I'm not going and saying oh they're gonna get six or seven wins I think they're better than that mm-hmm. I think they're better than nine I think they are better than nine I don't think anyone can last season they showed they're better than nine I don't I don't think that's really disputable it's just it, I'm sort of knocking points away because they lost the Super Bowl and because they lost it in the way that they did um, okay. so that's kind of my thinking if they go out and win 15 <laughs> it is what it is you know <laughs> you sort of go ah, well yeah it is what it is so you're going nine okay yeah. I'm, I'm going nine <laughs> uh, I'll go 11 so I think you're right. They're going to have it's not going to be quite as as smooth as it was last year for them in the regular season. But I don't really see any reason why they can't get double digits. So I'll go eleven. Yep. Done. And I, I, I'm not going to sit here and say, "Oh, I disagree." Or, I think you're wrong. I think you're perfectly right. Uh, <laughs> I think there's every, every every chance that they they are going to go and get eleven wins. Yeah. Okay. So three teams left. The first of those is the Seattle Seahawks. Yep. They finished the season eleven and five. Uh, it's the, season, the Seahawks' 10th season with Pete Carroll as head coach, but first without Paul Allen as the owner uh, following his passing last year. There's also no Earl Thomas after his move to the Ravens. There was no Doug Baldwin after he retired, no Cam Chancellor, he retired. They managed to just about squeak their way into the playoffs. They had yep. fairly bad last three games. They lost, four, so lost three of the last four games, including that last loss to San Francisco. So they were stopped on the one-yard line. And uh, yeah, that <laughs> did a lot for them because it meant they then had to play uh, in the wild card round. They beat the Eagles hmm. 17-9 in the wild card because obviously of knocking out Carson Wentz. That was a terrible game as well. It was an oh, awful yeah. game to watch. Yeah. <laughs> well, we've been we were, we've been giving some really good wild card round games, haven't we? Before that, so. Yeah, and I was expecting something sensational. When you're watching it going, I'm going to bed. I'm not watching this. <laughs> garbage. <laughs> yeah, and then the divisional round, they lost 28-23 to the Packers. Mm. Um, the problem for the Seahawks, they just seem to fizzle out, didn't they, by the end of the season? Russell Wilson yeah, is an elite so many injuries. quarterback. But, so many yeah. injuries. Well, their running back t- team got so banged up, they brought back Marshall Lynch. Yeah, and uh, who was the other one? Uh, Travis Homer. Yeah, I mean, a yeah. guy who... When it was announced they'd signed him, I had to research him to find out who he was. <laughs> yeah. um, that tells you everything, really. Yeah, I mean, Tyler Lockett's a really good wide receiver. DK Metcalf had a great yeah. season as well. But, you know, there's only so much you can do. And they, they did, gave a great account of themselves. Like I said, you know, getting 11 wins is, is very impressive for that team. They had a lot of holes. They managed to pick up Jadavion Clowney in free agency, although he's now looking to move on again. I'm not sure they're going to pay yeah. him. Uh, 
yeah, and then by the time they they managed to just about get that win over the Eagles, it took everything out of them to do it. So then having to go on the road to Green Bay was just a, a bridge too far. Unfortunately, they just uh, yeah. everyone knew they were they were wounded going into that game. So, but yeah, only the scoring twenty three points was still pretty impressive. So yeah. So we move on then to the the draft, and they got a first round pick for a change. They took Jordan Brooks, who's a typical <laughs> Seahawks pickup, a linebacker from Texas Tech. Uh, then Darrell Taylor, defensive end from Tennessee. You can see what's going on here. Uh, a guard from LSU in round three and Damian Lewis. Colby Parkinson, tight end from Stanford in round four. They also picked up DJ Dallas, a running back from Miami, Florida, in round four. Alter Robinson, defensive end. Freddie Swain, wide receiver. And Stephen Sullivan, another tight end. So yeah. no flashy picks. The Seahawks don't like really splashing no. up DK Metcalf I think was the last one that raised any eyebrows I found this a bit interesting mainly because their first pick um, at Jordan Brooks I when you actually look into it a little bit more you kind of go okay I see what you've done there mm-hmm. so I went down and had a look and the one that stood out was Freddie Swain now okay. when he's when you say he's a wide receiver he's at, he is but he's going to yeah, be a pump returner he's be a pump returner and a kick returner yeah he is the way he beats a tackle Oh my God, like properly good. So he could be a guy next year who ends up, I think he could end up being, you know, a real, real weapon for them next year. Um, it, there's no doubt he's not going to be, he's not going to actually pay that, you know, they haven't gone out and picked up David Moore and um, Philip Dorsett. Um, I think David Moore was probably there last year, but injured for a bit. They haven't picked up uh, Philip Dorsett to then, you know, pull in a sixth round rookie to replace him. So he's Mm going to be playing special teams a lot, but he looks superbly good. Really good. Excellent. So what's happening to the next season then, Dave? The good news is if Russell Wilson does get injured, they've got um, a top quality uh, quarterback to replace him. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, You know, so... (laughs) (laughs) Hmm. So uh, I can't think who it is though. Um, <laughs> Greg Olson coming in. If Greg Olson can stay fit, Pat might actually end up being a really good sneaky pick. I don't think they're paying him very much. Seven million. Three million raising to seven if he if he stays fit. It's five point five raising to seven. Um, I read three, but <laughs> either way, it makes it's still not a lot. If they can get real production out of him, it's probably the best seven million everyone's ever going to spend. All right. Um, but the the thing is, Russell Wilson is so good. He's so so good that you, you can't ever look at a roster and say it hasn't got enough depth to have success because he he doesn't. He always gets to the playoffs. Always gets to the playoffs, no matter what. Um. I think this roster is struggling because of the salary that now goes to Russell Wilson. Um, I think he's the best overall quarterback in uh, the NFL. And that's not a slight on Pat Mahomes. It's just that Mahomes is uh, probably lacks a little off the field to what Russell Wilson does. Uh, Mahomes will have probably overtake him this season. But right now, I think he's probably the best in terms of character and the way he leads the dressing room. Um, because they always... He reached the playoffs. I think we have to go for at least nine wins. Um, I am going to put them one ahead of that. So I'm going to go for 10 because I think they'll finish above San Francisco. Okay. So I'm going to go Seahawks, 10 wins. I don't think they do finish above San Francisco. I've already given the San Francisco 49ers 11 wins. So yep. they ain't getting 11. Or um, 12. Or 12 or 13. <laughs> I, I think 
I think no, I think they're a nine and seven team this year. Okay, it, it's difficult. There's no Legion of Boom anymore. No, they've been shuffling older pieces around, you know, free agency stuff about and trying to paper over cracks. But yeah, I, I don't think. Although I, I don't mind what they've done in the draft, like I said, there was nothing that really kind of blew your skirt up. So I'm, I'm not expecting a massive improvement. And if you're not expect, if you're not if you're not moving forward, you're moving backwards. So I'll give them a couple more losses this year. As I say, the only thing that really make it really for me is the fact that they always reach the playoffs. Um, so because of that, I think I you pretty much have to go for either nine or ten wins, and I'm sort of veering on the side of uh, positivity. So I'll go for ten. All right, well, I think this is Pete Carroll's last year as head coach. Okay. <laughs> I was going to throw that stick of dynamite down there. He's the oldest head coach in the league, so I think it's about time, If, like I said, it's not going to be quite as successful this season, and I think he's going to turn around and go, oh, I've had enough. Before it completely implodes, I'm getting out of here. No, I think it probably makes sense. The only thing I would say is if, if that was going to be the case, I'd have expected him to be a little bit more aggressive uh, in free agency. Um, so... Not sure. But when you get older, Dave, maybe. you know you take it easy. <laughs> I've heard. But when you want one last shot, you got one last shot. You will go harder. You go home. You don't. Uh, <laughs> you know. Not if it's limp. <laughs> you know about that. The Los. I do not. The Los Angeles Rams. Yeah. <sighs> Failed to match their thirteen and three record from last year after a seventeen twelve loss to the Steelers meant that they weren't going to get that thirteen record. They ended up 9-7. and seven. It was a, f- a fairly decent season, but it was also underwhelming at the same time. I think considering the fact they'd got to the Super Bowl, the, it's the Rams' the first Bowl non-playoff season. Yeah, it's the Rams' first non-playoff season under head coach Sean McVay. No, I think it was kind of you know, what you expected from the Rams. They usually gave a good account of themselves, but far too often they seem to be on the wrong side of a loss. Oh yeah, the 45-6 loss to Baltimore. Was probably the kicker there in week twelve. <laughs> well, I know they they got to pick on the, the Cardinals the week afterwards to make themselves feel better, and then they managed to beat the, the Seahawks after that. But then a forty four twenty one loss to Dallas, uh, a close loss in division against the Niners. Yeah, you know, the season was over. Uh, infighting could begin. There's a lot of people getting paid on that roster, and uh, not everyone's going to stick around. There's some massive gaps. Um, Jalen Ramsey, I think, doesn't do the long term. Um, I like Taylor Rapp, but a bit inconsistent, especially now he's, as he's going to be the starter. I mean, when you've got a starting safety uh, talking about wanting a contract extension only a year in, that, that rings alarm bells. Aaron Donald's Aaron Donald, obvious star. Michael Brockers, well, he wanted out. He's halfway to the Ravens. He signed a deal with the Ravens. That fell through um, because of a medical. So then he signed... Uh, a thirty million dollar deal with more holes in it than a spatula's. <laughs> so I'm I'm still not a believer in Jared Goff. I don't think Jared Goff is clutch. I don't think he's uh, in the top ten. Um, he's been paid like he's in the top ten, but I don't yep. think he is. Um, Andrew Whitworth's been massively overpaid. Their offensive line's questionable at best. Well, it's not. If there are injuries, then it's questionable at best. And I think take Cooper Cup out of that receiving core. He went missing far too much last season. Take Cooper Cup out of that receiving core, and what you got left? Um, I like Tyler Higby, but Robert Woods. Mm, Robert Woods is. How many times have we seen Robert Woods either drop catches or uh, go missing in games? Sorry, go missing in seasons. There's massive holes, massive holes in this Rams um, team. They're going to a brand new stadium. 
So mm-hmm. I wish them huge amounts of luck, but I'm just not feeling them. And the problem is, this is this is what happens, and we saw it in Denver as well. This is what happens when you go for a win now roster. After that, there's always a climb down. And a lot of Rams fans will say, yeah, but look at the talent we've got. Look at the talent the Broncos had. We still had Von Miller. We still had Chris Harris. We still had Emmanuel Sanders. It doesn't matter. When you've got massive holes like this, it's going to affect your team. It just is. So, and the way that they play uh, a three-man front as well, we thought about they need good linebackers and they just don't have good linebackers. On. But Leonard Floyd and I'm trying to think who the others are. I'm really struggling at linebacker because there's not enough talent there. Yeah, um, I mean, Dante Fowler, gone. Corey Littleton, yeah. gone. Um, Greg Zerlo, gone. Nicole Roby Coleman, gone. Todd Gurley, yeah. gone. Yeah. I mean, even going even going back to last season, look at look at corner that they had. You know, they lost uh, Peters and they lost the Cube Talib as well. I mean, they were part through the season, but they had to get rid of them. They were uh, cap casualties. Um, Jalen Ramsey's come in, and you know, we, we've had this conversation about when I saw Jalen Ramsey live against uh, the Bengals and he's yeah. getting torched on a fifty-yard play. I, I, he does more harm than good. And the thing is, I, I'm not feeling. If you trade for Khalil Mack, right? You trade two firsts for Khalil Mack. Now he went missing a bit last season, but you're not mad at that trade because he's he's a franchise guy. He's going to be a guy who's going to get people around him and he's going to really rally the troops and do good, even when he's not playing well. Jalen Ramsey's not going to do that. He's talented. There's no doubt about that. But you're giving up too much for a guy who's going to sulk and he's going to get. I don't know if he's been paid yet, but his contract he's going to get is going to be massive. Um, and I don't like their kit they've just released as well. So I'm <laughs> There's the kicker. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's not been a great free agency for them. They haven't really drafted, brought anyone in. They've, let, they've had no. to let, let a lot of people go. Um, and then I was really not impressed with their, their drafting, Dave. Don't know about you, but didn't have a first-round pick again So yeah. because of the Ramsey trade. So round two... Their first pick is Cam Akers, a running back from Florida State. I know they've lost Gurley, but <laughs> Cam Akers, I mean, is that the best we're going to do with, with our first pick? They had another pick in round two. Okay, what are we going to do? Van Jefferson, wide receiver from Florida, which might sound okay, but when you know that Denzel Mims was taken two picks later by the Jets, <laughs> Devin DeVorne was taken in round three, you know, yeah. Uh, Colin Johnson was there, Quintus Cephas. You know, we can we can go through a whole load of other players, but there were other quality wide receivers there that I would have probably rated above Van Jefferson. Yeah. So yeah, then there's that Terrell Lewis, outside linebacker from Alabama. Okay, fine. In round three, it's kind of a replacement for Dante Fowler. It will just seem like a day late and a dollar short. Some of these picks. Yeah, I'm not convinced they're going to improve the team. Let's put it that way. Not inspiring, no. So as we're not inspired, Dave, what we're we going to give them as their record for next year? Well, I've Just already said, I, I think I'm going for six wins. So from nine and seven, yeah. they're now going for six, six and ten. I think they fall six wins, yeah. That's dangerous, isn't it, for McVeigh? I mean, how long until his golden boy sheen starts to wipe off if he's getting a six-win season? I mean, I'm not overly concerned about that. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> uh, it's not really my concern. Aww. It's just... It, every everything I've said just eludes for me to there being um, to there being nowhere near enough uh, talent on that roster to actually service enough wins to keep him on. Mm. Um, sooner or later, he is going to run out of luck. But that's you know he knew what he was doing when he when he entered into that um, sort of win now mentality. 
saw the bright lights, went and got players and spent capital. But the thing is, they've spent capital on players that are no longer there. You know, the, the picks that they gave up for players like Peters and I don't want to say Tlaib because that was probably the year before, but the players, that they, the picks that they gave up for them, mm. you know, they missed out on players because of those. They don't have enough to trade with in free agency. And because of that, you know, there's massive detriments to their uh, to their roster. So, yeah, so I'm going six wins. I don't okay. like their run game either. <laughs> no, no, it wasn't great last year and they haven't got to a girl anymore. So no. it's difficult to see where the wins come from, to be honest, with, with the Rams. It's it's not an easy division to get wins in. Well, I think if you're, if you're ever unsure about which way a team's going to go in terms of their schedule, uh, in terms of their uh, record, the good thing to do is to look at their their early roster so look at their first four four games or so if you do that then you get a good idea of well number one are they gonna you know if, if you're zero and four then it's going to be very difficult to get a good record so they open against the cowboys then it's the eagles then the bills the giants redskins now out of that i don't i only fancy them to win maybe one two games that's the giants maybe the redskins mm. So I think it's very difficult to come away from it going, well, they're going to be four and two. Well, I don't see them being four and two, to be perfectly honest. How many points is that offense going to score against the Bills? Or the Eagles now, come to think. I'll be nice, Dave. I'll give them seven and nine. Okay. I mean, again, it's only within one of me. So I think we're pretty much in the same area. Yeah. Um, It's a massive drop-off to where they've been in recent years. Is there a possibility that well, you know, the Rams have been the most popular team in LA of the two LA teams. Is it possible that that's now going to fall away and the Chargers are going to be the most popular team? Or is it just going to be that both teams are now playing in an empty stadium? Uh, I think that last bit's the right one. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Okay, we've got one more team, Dave, and then we can wrap it all up. Yes. So, And that is the Arizona Cardinals. Whew, Cliff Kingsbury's first season as the head coach after moving from Texas Tech. Kyler Murray was the number one overall pick. And they improved from a three and thirteen record in twenty eighteen to a five ten and one record in twenty nineteen. Cardinals owner Bill Bidwell, uh, he passed away in October. He'd owned the team since nineteen seventy two, so he's seen a lot. And unfortunately, the last lot of it was Steve Kime as GM. But uh, <laughs> he also died just before their first win of the season against uh, Cincinnati. So they were o three and one when he passed away. So not a great. That's not rough. a great end for the guy. But uh, like I said, they did manage to cling a few wins together. So Bengals, Falcons, and Giants in succession. Uh, and then at the end of the season, they beat the Browns and the Seahawks back-to-back. So, yeah, 5-10-1. We know there are problems with the O-line. So Kyle Murray was running for his life. Yeah. They've obviously done, I would say business, but it's more of a robbery in free agency than taking DeAndre Hopkins <laughs> away from the Texans. And managed to dump uh, David Johnson off. Well, I was I was going to say that so. that removing David Johnson from their books is equally as important as getting heard the Andre Hopkins one would say. <laughs> Possibly, I mean, uh, and they keep asking um, Larry Fitzgerald to come back, and he always says yes because he's just so nice. So I don't know if he's still going to come back next year. I think that there's a chance he no, might. He signed. Yeah, so he signed a one-year deal worth uh, ten million, eleven million, something like that. Wow. Uh, in the in the draft, obviously, we're now on Steve Kimes' uh, computer here looking at what they did. Isaiah Simmons was their number eight pick for Cle- uh, Clemson. Great linebacking talent. I mean, we talked about this yeah, in the draft I mean, recap. 
Uh, I'm not sure it's the best place for him, but I'm excited to see what they do with him. I think it's one of the steals of the century, to be perfectly honest. Could be. Could be. And then, talking about steals, Josh Jones, the offensive tackle from Houston, was sitting there in round three when they got their second pick. And then in round four, Lecky Foto, defensive tackle out of Utah. And Rashad Lawrence, defensive tackle from LSU, in round four as well. Yeah. Evan Weaver, an offense, uh, inside linebacker from California in round six. And Eno Benjamin, running back from Arizona State in round seven. I think they absolutely smashed this draft. Yeah, absolutely, I agree. I can't fault it. I just can't fault it, Dave. It's um, It feels weird saying that about Steve Kime, though, doesn't it? I know. It I, was, I was all primed to do something. Like <laughs> <really repeat> that. <laughs> so he's let yeah. me down again by doing something good. Yeah. And To be fair, that's two, there's two drafts in a row he's done all right. He had one blip. And he yeah. addressed it immediately, rather than uh, doing what Ryan Pace has done. He goes, "No, no, no, I'm right. I'm right. Honestly, listen to me. You're Let me double down. Right. Let me double down yeah, on yeah. this. <laughs> At least Steve Kimer understands he's made a mistake, like Josh Rosen, and moves on. Yeah. So, and they I brought agree. in Jordan Phillips from Buffalo, defensive end, uh, for thirty million, a three-year deal. Mm-hmm. Not bad. Not bad. Jordan Phillips is is fairly decent uh, defensive player. I like Jordan Phillips. I think he's really good. I think the thing is, when when you look at uh, a team defensively, or when I look at a team defensively, I want to look at how they're probably going to play. And looking at last season, they played um, a 4-3. So, as they played a 3-4, sorry. So, it's three at the front, three defensive tackles, uh, normally a nose tackle. So, um, it's Jordan Phillips. Then they play four at the back. So two in, two in uh, I know you know this, I'm just saying for anyone who doesn't. So you play two outside line, uh, two inside linebackers and two outside linebackers. Now, what's likely to happen is they're going to play almost a 3-3 with Isaiah Simmons being play where you want in that will, uh, will movement of just be a ball hawk and cover what you want with Patrick Peterson moving behind him. Um, and Chandler Jones playing next to him almost in the Sam position, um, maybe as a nickel, uh, nickel slot moving backwards as well, though he's not really quick enough to do that anymore. Um, so it will be interesting to watch this defense because it could end up turning out to be with you know people like Buda Baker and um, Byron Murphy behind them. It could end up being that this defense ends up being one of the better ones in the division, which I don't think many of us saw happening really um, and as I say what's going to the thing is as well when you look at when we when we're mentioning all of these people who have been drafted there's no doubt that some of the first round picks are going to be busts there's no doubt about that oh, that's yeah. going to happen and normally the percentage of that happening with a wide receiver is higher than any other position so the fact that so many wide receivers went in this draft some of them are going to bust out that's just going to happen okay Mm-hmm. There's also going to be some guys who are picked up in the fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh round who are going to turn out to be absolute wrecking balls. And players like Lecky Foto might just turn out to be one of the signings of the decade <laughs> because when you look at him, he's so disruptive. Yeah. Um, so this defense, I'm quite nervously high on the Arizona Cardinals at the moment, which feels a bit weird. Their, their offense has an identity as well. Sing it, Dave. Sing it. Identity. Well, if you look, if if Kyler Murray gets injured, they're bringing in almost a direct replacement in Brett Huntley. Not as good, but does exactly the same job. If you then you look at look at the wide receivers, you've got Larry Larry Fitzgerald now playing inside, DeAndre Hopkins playing outside, big big body, strong receiver, probably the best receiver in the league, um, 
Andy Isabella, who can run 100 metres in three and a half seconds. It's insane how just dynamic they are. On yeah. I'm still not a believer in this air raid system in the NFL, but let's gloss over yeah. that for what it is. Um, I want to be ridiculous and say 10 wins, but I don't think they'll get 10 wins. Um, I want to, I'm going to go, I think they'll get eight, but I'm going to say nine because I want to be a bit more ambitious. I don't think they'll get nine, but I'm going to go nine. The break the reputation you've given yourself. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> What's the reputation I've given myself? There's Mr. Conservative. Come Mr. on, boy, Tory. what is it? <laughs> so the Arizona oh. Cardinals. Hey, last episode I went for the Colts getting 12 wins. That's oh, not yeah, conservative. Well. No, it's wrong, but you know, it's, uh, it's not conservative, <laughs> you're right. <laughs> okay, them Cardinals. Them Cardinals are getting a winning season. And that's about as far as I can go with that. <laughs> Just because I think so, it's still baby steps. So, so you uh, think they're going to get a winning season? I said yeah. eight, so you think they're going to get eight or nine? I thought you said nine. Oh, I did say nine. Okay, so you think they're going to get eight? No, I think they, no, because eight's season. not a winning season. I'm going to give nine. You're going to agree with me. I'm going to join you on the, on the nine step. Okay. I just think that everything is, is moving in the right direction for the Cardinals. Yeah. You know, they've, they were in the wilderness for a while after they got to the Super Bowl. And like you said, it's all cyclical. It's taken a long time for them to get back. They've had some dirty quarterbacks in the interim years, you know, since Warner retired. But I think they're finally at a position now where they can actually start challenging the other three teams in that division. It's been, it's a tough division. It's been really tough. You know, when, when you're down in that division, you're down for a while. Uh, yeah. the, the Rams managed to like stick a shot of, of, of adrenaline in their arm to get them to the, the Super Bowl after getting rid of Jeff Fisher. But other than that, it's taken, as you've seen with the 49ers, it's taken them three years of some quite terrible results, you know, uh, to just finally to get, get that. Power. Yeah, just to get that, finally get that season where you kind of, you break through. And I think the Cardinals have got a lot of great, great things moving forwards. I think, They'll move too slowly for Larry Fitzgerald to get another chance at the Super Bowl. But I think they're moving in the right direction. So, yeah, I think it's it's going to be a winning season this time. They're going to take advantage of of the Rams going on the other way and and the Seahawks moving down as well. The other thing I didn't really mention is the fact that last season, um, the Cards were one of the better teams on special teams. Um, So with Chris Kirk as the punt and kick returner, Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously the speed of Andy Isabella as well. I think Zane Gonzalez was the number one rated kicker at one point as well. I mean, a lot of that was because um, they weren't able to convert third downs and were most of the time were kicking mm-hmm. more than anything. But mm-hmm. it's still a massive positive. Um, yeah. On the defensive side of the floor, I mean, they've got massive, they've got huge speed. But the experience they've got. Well, they've got Chandler Jones, but they've also got Robert Olford. Robert Olford's quick. Um, he was in that team that lost the Super Bowl for the Falcons. Falcons. Um, Hassan Reddick. Um, they, they've got a lot of players who are really, really talented on the side, defensive side of the ball. The only issue, potentially, is that uh, the defensive coordinator is Vance Joseph. But, you know, if... Uh, Quality coordinator? <laughs> what are you talking about? Well, well, he's just not—he's not a great head coach, but you know, that's, that's, that's not, away from <laughs> not everyone um, is, Dave. But no, well, this is true. Let's hope Pat Shermer turns out to be a better offensive <laughs> coach than he was head coach, anyway. Um, but no, I, I, I like you. I agree that they're—I think they're—they're they're one of the teams who can have a massive upsurge this year, just because mm. everything they've done, they seem to have done quite well. Yeah, and there we go. That was the NFC review. We've done it, Dave. Ooh. All thirty-two teams across two monster podcasts. 
to finish yep. off the 2019 slash 2020 season. We can finally relax. We can go and hibernate through the summer. Uh, yep. Avoid direct sunlight where possible. And content and, of the human beings, of course. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> yeah, and we can then think about next year. Just as a brief summary, um, the best team in the NFC, according to Jim, is going to be the Minnesota Vikings with 12 wins. Oh my God, does it really? Um, yes, the best <laughs> team in the NFC, in my opinion, is going to be the Saints with 13 wins. Um, Jim's second place, se- second place teams are the Saints, the 49ers, followed by the Eagles. My second and third are the... Vikings followed by, oh God, the Bucks and the Seahawks. Oh God, yeah. like that, did I? Um, so yeah, uh, it'll be interesting to see how close we are or on um, come the end of the season. But there's still a few moves out there. I mean, if Jadavian Clowney all of a sudden goes to the Falcons and their defense looks significantly, mm. well, no, they still haven't got any corners, so that doesn't make a <laughs> <bit of> difference. <laughs> um, yeah. But if he joins the Cowboys and their pass rush has got significantly better and then therefore they might get lifted up from eight wins to nine and maybe even ten, I don't know. Um, so there is that possibility that things might still change. But all it takes, I mean, as we saw with your Steelers last season, one injury. That's all it takes. One injury. Yep. Um, exactly. So yeah, there's a, a huge caveat lifted to all of these. But if anyone wants to tell me I'm wrong and wants to give me the abuse... The interesting thing is, on, in the AFC, we, we gave a few teams really drab scores. So Patriots 6, Bengals 4, Jags 3. We didn't really do that in the, uh, off the Giants. We didn't really do that in the uh, NFC, which is a bit of a surprise. Um, well, they're all kind of much for much this, aren't they? You know. the Giants. Yeah. But, no, it's, enjoy- it's good. I enjoyed it. It's good. it's good to kind of dissect each team as well and look at what you think they're going to do. It gives you that little bit of excitement for the season. Yeah, hope, hopefully up. it's reminded everyone of kind of what happened to those teams during the season and looking at the draft and kind of taking it all in the round. Um, yeah, we just love talking about NFL. We better do some quick thanks, yeah. Dave, before we sign off. So everyone that was involved in the King versus the People Challenge through the season, you know who you are. It'll take me too long to go for everyone, but thank you so much for getting involved in that. Um, thank you to um, Patriot Mark, who was on the pod recently, so doing that. Packer Tim, who we love, who just hoping that um, he stays healthy. He's going through a lot at the moment. Um, then obviously the core crew, so Philly Sai, who um, isn't with us right now, but you know he's dealing with a lot of stuff with work and, and personal life and trying to move house and things like that. So uh, we wish him all the best. And obviously Punk Raider, who is our spiritual um, yogi bear. <laughs> I just wanted Everyone to get on the pod a bit more often, but, you know, we, we love him to bits. And obviously the king, he was able to get onto one of the pods this year. Um, he, he did wish he was on more of them, but, you know, just life gets in the way. And I think that moving forwards, you're going to hear a lot more of me and Dave um, as opposed to the other three. Uh, depending on what we do next season, obviously, the COVID-19 that no one wants to talk about um, is an issue right now. Whether that changes or not through the summer, I don't know how badly the NFL is going to get affected. Obviously, all major sports are being affected by um, the pandemic. So we don't even know if we're going to come back next year because there's nothing to talk about. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, Dave. What I'm do you I'm sure we'll find something to talk about. We'll find something, <laughs> I'm sure. Um, the problem's going to be, I mean, I talked enough nonsense this season considering <laughs> I've got a little one on the way. What's it going to be like next year when I've, I'm much more sleep-deprived than I was last year? I'll just be there going, yeah, Broncos were brilliant last week. 
Dave, you lost. No, we didn't. We won. What are you talking about, man? It's nonsense. <laughs> it's, uh, it'll be interesting next season either way. And uh, as I say, um, one thing that I did do today, though, which I think is very important for any NFL fan, mm-hmm. um, go through your roster and book the time off work. So uh, the f- Thursday and the Monday night games, I've now got off work for Ooh. all of the Broncos games. So very, very important that you do that as soon as possible. Um, because if you're anything like me, you'll forget to book the time off work and you won't be able to book it off, but you'll still end up watching it. <laughs> you'll end up ruined the next day, which has happened to me more than once. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, do that. Thank you very much to everyone that was involved in the pod and thank you very much for listening through the whole season and, and supporting us. We might have to start a GoFundMe for next year, Dave, just to pay for all of our bills. But um, uh, we'll see when it comes to it. We have to probably change the name. Yeah, yeah. We have to do all those things. But yeah, thank you so much for sticking with us all this time. This is our fifth year of doing the pod now, I think. Um, yeah. And yeah, it's just it's just been so much fun to get interaction with you guys on on social media and and chatting in person. So yeah, thank you so much for listening. And uh, yeah, we're gonna get out of here. So until next time, I've been Jim. That's been Denver David. Thank you so much for listening. No, no, no. Episode 144, <laughs> that was. <sighs>